You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 132 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the Spare Room studio again this week is my co-host Matt Smith. In the co No, I'm the co-host. This is the... No, never mind. <laughs> I swear, sorry, I swear Matt's had a very planet. long week this week. He's, He's a little planet. tired. Yes. What do you mean another planet? What are you trying to say? I don't know. I haven't crashed into any um, comets or anything this week. Yeah. It's fine. No, no, it's no, fine. Good, because you've got yeah. a new coach. You hate to ruin it. Cool. You have met my boss, right? Oh, no. I know. She's scary. Coach. She's yeah, scary. She's scary. Absolutely. So welcome to episode 132 then. It, uh, it is the 30th of September, Jeez. and the yes. time is just coming up to 25 past 7 in the evening <laughs> here in the UK. <laughs> that that, la- that lady, lady, lady this gentleman week. is being, is being directed at me because I've made us run a little bit late. I'm very sorry. Uh, yes, 25 past 7. I'm so sorry. But we have uh, got two, <laughs> as you know, uh, for those of you who follow us on Twitter and the Book of Face, we have... Got two amazing guests on with us this week, and uh, the first guest, uh, well, uh, well, she's just awesome, really. You know, at the end of the day, she's she's blinking awesome. And for those of you who uh, have listened to uh, the Aviation Careers podcast, may have heard her on there a few weeks back in August, and uh, she runs an awesome site, Tales from the Terminal. So, welcome onto the show, Jennifer. Hello, thanks Hello. for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Great, great, and uh, thank you for uh, agreeing to come on and uh, enjoy the uh, the chaos that is chaos. That the is show. <laughs> Carlos created Absolutely. chaos. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have another guest with us today as well. Yes, as if this, my life isn't complicated. I know, as if he's not. <laughs> I try to make things hard for him every week. Yes, yeah. uh, yes. We have another guest with us, and it's uh, a certain person that we that me and Matt met up with at uh, Riyadh. We yes. met up with this. this yes, yes, this yes, 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 yes. And uh, it takes some awesome photos. We see we've got another great photographer here yeah. for the show. Uh, yeah. uh, aviation and decent photography do seem to sort of go I hand know. in hand, don't they? And uh, he's a he's a massive military uh, aviation mm. uh, yes. fan. We're very excited uh, about that. So welcome onto the show, Jonathan. Hello. Evening. Everybody's short of words this evening. I know. This is going to be one. That's because we, we we we've been sort of like st- um, you know, rambling on for the last half an hour. Hey, I don't ramble. Everything that I chat. everything that I say is pure radio gold. That's that's what it is. I know. So J- Jennifer, awesome. whereabouts uh, on the uh, planet of Earth are you this evening? Um, I'm in the Midwest. In um. Well, it's a state that uh, it's round on the ends and high in the middle, <laughs> and I'm sort of in the middle of that state, and uh, yeah, that's where I am. It's raining here today. In fact, it's storming, so if I disappear suddenly, right. you guys will yes. know okay. why. We'll know why. We'll know why. Yes, yeah. yes the connection Sorry. has fallen over. So whereabouts in the, part, in, in the world are, are you, Jonathan, today? I'm in... The UK, not so. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> My commiserations yeah, to you. I work near Swindon. Oh, oh near Swindon. Oh, Swindon. Oh, Swindon. classy. Very nice. Right. <laughs> oh, lovely. What a lovely part of the world. Yes. Excellent. They like their skyscrapers and, and concrete buildings, don't they, in Swindon? So, Jonathan, yeah. you've got you've got <laughs> an important. <laughs> Jonathan's got an important job for the show Very this week. Yes, what yes. we've done, we've uh, we've we've lumbered 
Jonathan with the uh, the whole task of producing the aviation military segment for the mm. show this week. So Good. it's all on him. It's about time so somebody we, who knew what they were doing <laughs> was doing the military. Let's be so honest. we've left we've left Jonathan yeah. to do all the military stuff. Okay, uh, we've got some uh, feedback <laughs> oh, from. What, 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 uh, no, no oh. I'm sorry. He's just sneakily done that while the camera wasn't on him, and I'm going to ask him to say, "What's, what's in your tankard, good sir? What what oh, is the ale of choice?" Yes, it is. Boneyard Bingo. Really? Oh, Hot oh, Goblin. Oh, Hot Goblin. Choice. Very excellent. good, very excellent. good. It had to be in an appropriate glass. Look at yeah. that. Oh. How cool is that? Lovely. That is awesome. Oh, I'm, ve- well, I'm like very that. impressed. Very, very impressed. impressed. Anyway, shall we, um, shall we so do we, some stories? We have got, uh, we've got some feedback uh, later on the show from uh, one of our listeners, Fabian. Mm. And we've also got uh, some awesome feedback from our main man, Micah. Um, and also the awesome. lovely Myla. And the lovely Myla as well. Yes, we've got, we've got some video feedback. We've got some video feedback. Video this time. That's a first, yes. So, yes. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. I have loaded it, haven't I? I can't remember. Oh, I don't God, think I loaded it. That's all right. I'll work it out. But we are going <laughs> to... <laughs> I need to lie down. But we are going to start the show then, as we do each Are week, you sure? With our rundown <laughs> of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> and if you're ready, Jennifer. I'm ready. And Jonathan? I'm ready. <laughs> let's go. Okay, let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then on the BBC website. Ooh, good old month. BBC. Good old BBC. And uh, the headline is, Air Rage Incidents Saw on UK Flights. Uh, not that we don't cover an air rage incident at some point in every show near enough Pretty at much the moment. these days, yes. Uh, this week it's not Jet 2, though. Oh, that makes um, a change. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the, sure uh, they're thrilled. So the uh, story then the, uh, says the number of air rage incidents in the UK has quadrupled over a three-year period, according to figures seen by the BBC. Uh, the Civil Aviation Authority, the CAA, data shows that there are 386 dangerous incidents in 2015 compared with just 85 in 2013. The head of leading budget airline has suggested people who cause trouble could be banned by all operators. It's an offence to be drunk on board an aircraft uh, or to refuse to obey obstructions, instructions given by the captain and crew. Examples of incidents quoted by the CAA include disruptive passengers fighting each other and one passenger who had to be restrained during a flight after progressively disruptive behaviour before attempting to try and open the aircraft door. It took four policemen to remove one passenger who was described as uncontrollably and verbally abusive in another incident. Growing levels of verbal or physical violence from passengers have been witnessed firsthand by cabin crew members um, or cabin crew member Dan Eyre, a pseudonym uh, used by the writer of the Confessions of a Trolley Dolly blog. Uh, Dan has worked for UK-based airlines for 11 years, and certainly the last two or three years, it's got worse. Alcohol fueled, drug fueled, he said. Uh, people a lot of the time don't actually realise they're on board an aircraft. I think a lot of people think that they're in a club or a bar. They behave like animals, and you. Uh, <laughs> and there's uh, no, uh, no no. Well, the story goes on anyway. It carries on, but to to say about uh, Jet Two, but which we've covered in previous shows before. Um, but you know, this is something that's um, that needs to be addressed. I think if the problem's getting worse, and there's obviously a reason for this. 
Um, obviously alcohol being the main reason because people do tend to have a nice little drink before they go on board aircraft for a flight. I mean, I know I, I do have a you know a, a small whiskey or a, a beer before I travel on a different plane. I have to confess, it's the only purely time, one. It's the only time I've ever indulged in early morning drinking uh, is when I'm getting on a plane to go. It's like the first thing I do is once I'm through do, through um, not the touch <coughs> is the other one. Uh, once, I, once I'm through security, that's it, straight to Weatherspoons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only time that I've ever had a, a large pint of cider at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Glenn Taylor yeah, put in the chat room. Early people drink at airports. So. Yeah, but you have to, don't you? Isn't that no. part of the whole holiday experience? No, okay. All I was right. there four o'clock in the morning getting breakfast at Gatwick last year, and there's people with a pint in their hand. See, that's fine. So, that's I, I, I don't know. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> but then, you know, I'm, I'm borderline alcoholic. Um, no, um, did I say that out loud? No. Um, <laughs> is, is this is this a problem that you you see sort of where you are, Jen, uh, over across uh, across the pond there? Um. Yeah, I think we do. I don't know if we see it to the same extent, maybe. I, remind me, on most of your airlines, um, are the beverages free or do you have to pay for them? Oh, no, them? you have to pay for them. No, the, well, the low-cost carrot, like Ryanair and EasyJet uh, and Jet2, you, you have to pay for your uh, alcoholic beverages. But when you fly long haul with BA or Virgin... Uh, the, the longer haul carries, uh, even in economy, uh, the drinks are all free. Hmm. Well, Well, I have to admit, I have not flown commercially in a long, long time. I mean, it's probably been seven or eight years. Um, As far as seeing that kind of behavior at the airport, I don't think at the airport where I work, they start serving alcohol until later in the day. So if you show up at my airport and want to get a drink early, I don't think you're going to be able to get one before you get on the airplane. Wow. It's interesting because we spoke to Micah and, and Steph in the last show, didn't we? Mm. And they said it, the, 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 it's not you know the problem is not the same in the US as it is here in the UK. It just seems to be. I think we're we're worse mm, <laughs> than yeah. any other country. British binge drinking the British, exactly. Yeah, yeah very I, true. I, I would agree. I don't think we hear about it quite as often here. So moving on to the next story, and this one is all for you, Matt. And for a change this week, I've. Yeah, I've, I've, I've neglected to give you a Ryanair story. No, no, you just didn't. I know, absolutely. No, yes, you have. No, it's not. Okay, well, it's still got. It's still. It's still mentioned. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, this is the travel. <sighs> Sigh. I'm, uh, as I say, Owen's in the chat room on Facebook, and I apologise to him in advance. Um, right, travel Mall <laughs> is uh, is the website, and the headline is: Jet two passengers spend more on extras than a certain low cost carrier. Uh, on both both low cost carriers here in the UK, so that's Ryanair or EasyJet. Uh, budget airline Jet2.com has the second highest ancillary revenue per passenger out of 67 airlines around the world, according to a new study. Only US-based Spirit Airlines earned more per passenger than Jet2, which this week launched its ninth UK base at Stansted. According to American uh, consultancy IdeaWorks, the UK's low-cost carrier passengers paid £39 each on extras, including in-flight meals and extra legroom in in 2015. Ancillary revenue made up almost 30% of its total 
total income up from just under 15% in 2008. In comparison, Ryanair, uh, just over a quarter of its income from sale of extras, probably those dodgy stretch clouds, but anyway, uh, <laughs> putting it in fifth in the table. EasyJet made around a fifth and Flybe's 21%. Full service airlines, British Airways and Virgin Atlantic made less than 5% of their revenue from ancillary sales. The three largest US airlines, United, American and Delta, earned the most from the sales of added extras. Ryanair was in sixth place, which given it's a whole a whole world poll of airlines is, mm. is a pretty impressive number, uh, earning $1.7 billion, and EasyJet earned around about $1.5 billion, uh, putting it in eighth place. IdeaWorks <coughs> concluded, there is plenty of activity to suggest ancillary revenue will continue to grow in total as a percentage of airline revenue and on a per-passenger basis. It's a big thing, and ancillary revenue, stuff like that, with the extras and stuff you get on board aircraft. Yes. You know, yeah. it, is, it is a good way for airlines to... Uh, you know, to to make up the you know the, their money as such because yeah, they're offering these cheap seats, which they do Ryanair and EasyJet offer mm-hmm. cheap seats on on their a lot of their flights. Um, if you're just carrying hand luggage on, um, and the best way to bulk up the pro- you know to make extra money is with you know paying extra for extra legroom seats. Well, yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. Uh, baggage fees and, and all the other bits of the food, and and obviously they still do. Uh, duty-free sales, I think, on board Ryanair. Oh yeah, no, flights, yeah, 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 which is a yeah. good way of um, good way of generating of generating extra money. Extra money yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway, on to the next story. Which is... ooh, that's mine, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> ooh, very exciting. All right, hold on. <laughs> oh bless you, Jen, of course. You need, I'm Jen, not Jen, prepared. Jennifer, you, why would you, I be prepared? You need to get out more, my dear. I'm very worried about you. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one comes from The Guardian, uh, and it says, British woman, 26, becomes world's youngest airline captain, or one of the world's youngest airline captains. Uh, A British woman has become one of the world's youngest commercial airline captains at the age of 26. Kate McWilliams from Carlisle said that she is asked about her age by cabin crew and passengers almost daily, and most people are pleasantly surprised and impressed when she tells them. McWilliams began flying in the Air Cadets age eight, uh, 13. Wow, that seems awfully young. Um, mm. Before going on a training program at CTC Aviation in Southampton on her 19th birthday, then joining EasyJet as a first officer in May 2011. She recently rose to the rank of captain after passing the airline's command course. An EasyJet spokeswoman said the budget carrier believes McWilliams is the world's youngest commercial airline captain. McWilliams said, personally, I don't think my age matters. I've been through the same training and passed the same command course as every other captain, so I've proven myself capable regardless of my age. I do now get asked how old I am on almost daily basis, which didn't used to happen when I was a first officer. McWilliams lives in, not sure how to pronounce that, Reigate? Reigate. Reigate, sorry. Reigate, sorry. It's our our weird English names. (laughs) Yes. Um, It is based at Gatwick Airport. She flies Airbus A319 and A320 planes to about 100 destinations, including Reykjavik, Tel Aviv, and Marrakech. McWilliams said that when she was growing up, she did not think it was an option to become a commercial pilot, but she has never looked back since beginning her training. 
I love being a commercial pilot for EasyJet, and I am proud that I have now achieved my ambition of becoming a captain. Uh, only 5% of commercial pilots are women, and last year EasyJet announced an initiative to double the proportion of new female entrants to 12% over two years. Um, and then I think it goes on to say that the uh, the first officer was only 19. That's that's really quite uh, young as well, isn't it? I mean, I, it does seem just a little bit uh, young. Yes. I mean, I, I suppose we shouldn't really sort of um, be quite perhaps so sniffy. I mean, at the end of the day, they've they've had to sit through the same training. I think it's just as I mean, as everybody knows, I'm I'm quite a nervous passenger, and maybe my my concern is perhaps I'm sure whilst I'm sure they've passed all the exams and and you know the the simulations and all that kind of thing with flying colours. Sometimes there is just no substitute for experience. Um, you know, but yeah, then I, I guess I guess you've got to agree with you. You've got to start somewhere, I suppose. That's that's the difficulty, isn't it? You can't just at the end of the day, you can't come to a new industry and suddenly be an expert in everything. You know, I don't that's know. That's true. I but it, it, I mean, it, I mean, hats off to. I'm really, I'm, I'm yeah, got, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm happy yeah. when I see stories like this. Cause I think it's great because mm. obviously, you know, she's put a lot of effort into what she's done and probably money as well. Well, yes, it's not a cheap thing to do. No, it is um, not. And there's a heck of a lot of learning involved in in getting to the stage where she is now. So, um, you yeah, know, good good honour, I say. Indeed. And what do you suppose she was doing at age 13? Now I know they said that she was part of the Air Cadets. Mm, yeah, we have that. Is in that the, what yeah. it was? Yeah, she do gliding and light aircraft flying. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. I, I used All to right. From about thirteen, fourteen. Oh, did you? Yeah. Get you. Yeah, I did Excellent. lots of gliding. <laughs> Get you very posh. Yeah, very great. posh indeed. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, they they let you do quite a lot of things in the air cadets in the UK. Mm, yes, yeah, you yeah. can um, from you know, from an early age. Well, it's the same in standard gliding. military as well, isn't it? Mm. Because um, I, I know for, I'm all right. I can only use driving an example, but the first thing that they do uh, when you join the army is they put you through all your various driving tests. So you do everything from HGV to car test to the lot, don't you? Um, they'll put you right up to an Arctic license because it's use, useful for for obviously the military. But of course, when you leave, you've you've got those those skills already under your belt, haven't you? So I suppose it's the same with the air cadets, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I wish I'd have joined the air cadets as a child. I should have done that. Yeah, Why you, didn't I do you, you that? You do now, yes. Why absolutely. didn't I do that? No. Yes. I turn the clock back 30, no. 30 years. No, no, you know that. You, no, you can't join now. No. I did as a child and wish I'd gone further with that, but. It's all right for you though, Jonathan, because you're not forty and old like Carlos. <coughs> you see, that's the that's the <coughs> advantage. <laughs> forty is the new twenty, is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Keep telling yourself. Oh, no, we're not complaining about being forty, are we? No, no we no, are. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. No, no. So no, as as I've said in previous. No, 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 no. As I said in previous shows, that uh, this this year I also get to celebrate the tenth anniversary of my thirtieth. Uh, but uh, we'll 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 gloss over that and move on. Okay. Next story, please, someone. <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's out of control episode 132 is out of control uh, right whose go is it is it mine it's Jonathan's go it's Jonathan's go it's mine oh excellent okay cool it is. fire away Hi. mystery airline orders 450 million US dollars of super first class suites mm. what's better than first class super first class of course what's the difference <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be our as, story. As to just how much better, we'll find out in late, uh, late 2017 when an as-yet-unnamed airline rolls out priority high-end super first-class suites, 
on its factory fresh Boeing 777s. The suites are being designed by BE Aerospace, part of a contract worth $450 million, oh, or wow. Australian four, uh, $593. So you, you can kind of yeah, guess what A lot of money, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But the firm's keeping mum on the identity of its big spending customer, which it describes only as a major international airline, one of the world's leading global airlines. The super suites, which we're told will be designed with luxurious amenities, extraordinary comfort and living space, while also providing enhanced privacy for the passenger, will debut on the airline's new 777s, of which initial deliveries are expected in late 2017. There's also an option to outfit additional wide-body aircraft, which encompasses a Boeing 787, Airbus A380 or A350. B Aerospace current flagship first class suite is the Oasis family. Oasis. Didn't Oasis fly the 747-400? I thought they were a big 90s yeah, rock band, but anyway, that's just me. I thought Oasis <laughs> also didn't last very long, so oh. I'm not sure about that. Oh, okay. But it's got lots of pictures on here, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, we, we've been popping we've them been up while we've been reading up, yeah. the story. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite swanky. It is very swanky. I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind. That's right. We'll give we'll give it a cut. We'll give it a, a couple of months. Then we'll we'll write to Sam Chewy again and see if see if he's been on. Yeah, one I'm yet. sure that the yeah. Get, yeah Sam is probably probably going to be the first paper one of the cool, first yeah. people to try the. Uh, you want to just put send a few emails off? Say yeah. Can can we review your super class? Yeah, no. super first class suites. <laughs> yeah, we've we've tried that. Uh, <laughs> it didn't wash for some reason. Do you know? What? I, I, I I I list this week. Um, when I was uh, glancing on the BA's website to see if our prices have gone up for the flights that we've got going out to Oman next month. Just to, just to be curious to see if the prices have gone up, which they had, only by 50 quid, which is 50 quid. Um, but I also had a look on their website to see how much it would cost me and, uh, me and Gemma to fly first class with BA uh, to Oman. And did you and, get an immediate um, nosebleed? Um, <laughs> any, any, any idea, uh, uh, um, guys, um, how much it was going to cost? Um, it was it, to, to, to put it into context, it was 800 quid return, or 400 pounds each, uh, to fly economy to Oman, just the other side of Dubai. Um, uh, ha, any, I reckon you could probably any ideas? It any ideas on, on first class with BA? Jen? <laughs> One million dollars. Um, honestly, I have no idea. That's first class with Ryan there. That's first class. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what is first class no, on Ryan? That's super first class. Yeah, super class, first class. Well, what do you reckon? I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a stab at it. Um, so, where are we flying from? Remind so me to Oman. This, this was from Heathrow. Yep. Um, to Oman, which uh, is um, just, just literally the other side and of Dubai. Am I allowed to ask the question? Um, how much have you paid for your ordinary ticket? Just no, to give me a eight hundred quid. Eight hundred. Eight hundred okay. quid for economy. All right. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so for economy. No, that was for both of us. That was so uh, four hundred quid each. Four hundred quid each. Yeah, so, so to go for first class, I'm going to say fifteen hundred quid each. I'd say pushing two thousand. Really. Okay. So for for the first class flights, um, this is for both of us. Um, BA came back with a figure of just over fourteen thousand pounds. What? Which, which <laughs> what? is um, no. which is just it works out about seat. which is just, about eighteen. I think it works out about eleven thousand dollars. 
um, for you, wow. Jen. For eighteen thousand dollars, yeah, to fly. That that's a nine. Uh, oh, let me get this right. It was a nine. I think it, we should be a nine-hour flight, just over nine-hour flight, um, <laughs> with a stop in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, fourteen grand. Good, unbelievable. I, 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 I don't yeah. even. I just don't. I, I, and do you know what? Bit, to be totally honest with so you, so you bought one immediately. Obviously, if you look, <laughs> if you look, if you look at uh, the difference between the, the first class or business class or first class in in BA compared to to Emirates. There's quite a bit of difference, actually. I had to say, I have to say, it was quite different. But um, yes, I know, but it's not worth that it, much. It money. was an eye opener. Trust me, it was an eye opener. It definitely. I mean, um, it does make you wonder if it might have been cheaper for you to sort of, you know, privately charter safe jet and get them. I was just going to say that. I mean, seriously, probably charter something. If you it? can afford that, you can afford to charter something. Well, I think. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. bizarre. I and mean, it's not like the plane isn't going already. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. So if you're listening, BA... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> if you're listening, BA, it would be lovely to try first class. I must admit, I'm a flight. bit nervous because my, my boss is flying out um, to the Canaries. Uh, she's leaving first thing tomorrow morning and uh, she's flying with BA. I, in fact, actually, this is the first time that she's flown with BA and they haven't cancelled her flight a couple oh, of right, weeks okay. before she goes. So, um, yeah, I don't think she's... The crazy flying. thing is... You know that they've sold some of them seats. Someone's gone, oh, 14,000. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'll have <laughs> that to. That seems reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll put that on the card. Yeah, I, I fear you may be right. God, um, imagine the amount of Avios points you'd get with that. Oh, good. Yeah, they'd definitely be worth having. God, Neville, Neville, would, <laughs> Neville would be, he'd love that. Mm. So anyway, moving swiftly on uh, to <laughs> yeah, the yeah. next news story is on the Mail Online site. And uh, the headline, Delta Airlines flight is diverted to land at Manchester Airport after a Samsung tablet jammed under a seat overheats and starts to smoke in the oh, cabin. Good so a Samsung tablet wedged under a seat on a Delta Airlines flight began smoking when it overheated causing the plane to be diverted. Emergency services met flight DL-138 from Detroit uh, at Manchester Airport after it diverted there on its way to Amsterdam following reports of smoke in the cabin. Wow. The tablet had become jammed <gasps> under a seat in the premium Goodness class. Me. Now, uh, I'm uh, going to make you pause there a minute. He's going to show you the picture. I'm just going to put the picture up. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, this is, um, well, I'm going to say frightening. That's a good choice of word, I think. Anyway, it's quite a nice tablet. <laughs> it was. I'm it sure was, it was yeah. a lovely tablet. Yes. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So the tablet had become yeah, jammed under uh, under a seat in premium class and left under the seat cover where it started smoking, and passengers smelt a strange odour. I should think they did at yeah, the that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maintenance <laughs> staff at Manchester Airport found the tablet, which had been invisible to passengers and cabin crew, and was probably left by a previous passenger. The seat was believed to have been replaced while the Boeing 767-400 was on the ground before the flight continued to the Netherlands uh, with a three-hour delay. Some of the passengers on subsequent flights claimed Delta staff asked them to turn off their Samsung devices and the Federal Aviation Administration is now investigating. Delta has since confirmed that the device was made by Samsung but not a Note 7 model which is currently under a huge recall after reports of battery fires. A spokesman for the aircraft uh, spokesman for the airline said the aircraft landed safely and Delta's maintenance team quickly found the source and the aircraft was cleared to continue its journey. The flight arrived in Amsterdam at 2:55 p.m. and the device in question fell below the seat and it became it became jammed which caused the malfunction. 
A Samsung spokesman told Mail Online it appears the uh, external factors contributed to the accident or the incident, uh, and this is not related to the Galaxy Note 7. We've reached out to Delta to investigate the cause and is yet to be determined. Well, it's obvious someone's, someone's well, left it on the aircraft. Well, I, I think to be, I think very much to be fair to Samsung here, this has basically got wedged down the seats. Uh, the seats are the, either moved and it squashed it, and, and basically it's caused a, sh caused a short. So mm. really, for me personally, this is a bit of a non-story because... They're, they're getting wrapped up in all the excitement about the Samsung the, the, battery yeah, the issue stuff, with the Note yeah. 7, um, and they're trying to link the two together, as a typical mail, this typical Daily Mail, really. Mm. But anyway, there we are. Uh, <laughs> the Daily Mail, for those of you who are not listening here in the UK, uh, is... Daily Fail, Matt. The Daily, the Daily Fail. Fail. Yes, yeah. I like it. Yes, very good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, as Jonathan says. I'll take it. This is, this is kind of, is it, uh, an it or um, a kind of thing that's been going on quite a bit over over your side as well Jen with all the um, phones and the batteries and stuff yeah I know that um, at the airport at the gates the gate agents are now making announcements uh, that you're not allowed to take um, or you're allowed to take them on but you're not allowed to turn on or charge um, whichever phone it is currently that's having the issues um, so yeah, I mean it's a concern. You don't yeah. you don't want fire while you're flying. No, you don't. It's definitely just not. Fire bad. Do you not find it funny though, Matt? That it's, this only just started in the last kind of month or or, or two. That all this well, battery I mean, exploding issues. To, to be know. fair, no, I mean the problem has been there for a while. Um, I mean, for example, but it's only just started to hit the news in the last. No, it hasn't. I mean, if no. you if you go back, um, what about sort of four or five months? Um, you may recall, might even be as far back as a year ago, an EE released um, a, a lithium um, sort of battery pack that you could that was free. They gave it to all of their. Uh, it was free to all EE customers that enabled you to uh, charge your phone up on the fly, uh, and that had a, a similar battery issue where they were catching fire or those smoking when they were either in use or being charged. Um, I think it's more an issue with a faulty batch of batteries that, as I think, I think it was Micah that was saying last week, you have several uh, manufacturers who will make batteries for for a specific phone, and it's it's only certain models of the of the Note Seven that have been affected mm. by this issue. So, you know, right. Mash has just put in the chat room. Actually, um, she said that she's more concerned the tablet that was left by a previous passenger was not found good when point. they when they uh, obviously turned the when aircraft around. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Yeah. That is a good point because they obviously do a sweep of the aircraft. Well, it, um, it could have been flight. anything yeah. in that tablet. I mean, mm. I mean, you know, it, it would. There's no guarantee that it made it through through the appropriate security checks because you know I mean everybody makes mistakes. Oh, just uh, on a side note, uh, Mike is just off to go and get his washing out of the washing machine. Oh, thank uh, goodness for that! And, and I, I, out I, of the dryer. I can function. What? Yeah. Well, everybody stop. We can't <laughs> continue. <laughs> well, this is it. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll just put uh, episode one, three, two on hold for a brief moment. Just for Micah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Micah, Micah, turn it up. We'll you can hit. You can still hear it in in the laundry room. Turn it up. We'll play some music. While Mike is off to the dryer. Oh, are we? Oh, okay. Corny lift music. Yes, absolutely. Well, our, music. our Patreon music will do a sterling job of that, no doubt. <laughs> no, we know we've got to play that. Oh, now. right. <laughs> we just got a drum roll. So, next story. Yes, and okay. uh, funnily enough, it's another Jet 2 story for you, man. Is it? Right. Mm. So, we just replaced one low cost airline for another, have we? <laughs> okay. So, this is the Travel Mall website again, and the headline is Jet 2 to fly to 21 donations from Stanford. Donations. Donations. Stop it. Uh, so, we said from the as we as we uh, covered very briefly in the previous story, that um, uh, Jet Two are flying lots of uh, new destinations out of Stansted. Twenty-one of them now 
to be precise. And the story reads, Jet2 has confirmed that it plans to fly 20 to 21 donations from... Donations? 21 destinations. destinations. Look, I'm very tired. Be nice, everyone. <laughs> no. uh, from standards, it's ninth UK base. Flights are available to book from today. Destinations include Lanzagrotti, Malaga, <laughs> Alicante, Dubrovnik, Faro and Ibiza. Uh, the company has expanded its trade sales team uh, with the appointment of a sales executive de- dedicated to Stansted alone. Uh, trade bookings uh, trade bookings account for a third of its business. It's uh, trade bookings account for a third of its business. It said flights from Stansted will operate on six Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays new Boeing 737s delivered last week. Flights will start from on March the 30th, 2017 to Alicante, uh, Faro, Mallorca and Lanzarote. Uh, more than 250 new jobs will be created, said That's Jetu. Good. That is good news. So Head of Trade Alan Cross described the, muse, uh, the move as a real <coughs> milestone for Jet2 holidays, adding it marks the day we bring our family-friendly formula to travel agency partners in the south of England. Uh, now, there is a list here of a full schedule, so I'll, I'll whiz through those as best as I can. Apologies if I pronounce any of the names incorrectly. So below is a full schedule. So it's Alicante will be a daily flight. Crete, three times a week. Dubrovnik, three times a week. Faro is daily. Fortaventura is twice weekly. Uh, Girona or Costa Brava, basically mm. twice weekly. Gran Canaria, that will be three times a week. Ibiza will be daily. Kos will be twice weekly. Lanzarote will be four times a week. L- Lanaka will be, or, yeah, no, L- Lanaka, 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 whatever, uh, three times a week. Uh, Madeira will be twice weekly. Mallorca daily. Malaga, um, zero daily. I don't know what that means. I think that's, I think they mean daily. Uh, Menorca, three times a week. Uh, Paphos, twice weekly. Uh, Pula twice a week, uh, Reese um, four times weekly, Rhodes three times a week, Tenerife six times a week, and Zanti, uh, which I think is Greece, isn't it, Zanti? Yeah, Zanti's Greece. Yeah, uh, is. is twice weekly, so quite so a basically these are all very, very popular uh, holiday destinations for people here in the UK, for Indeed, sure. Agreed, yeah. Have you had a chance to, uh, to come across to the UK or anywhere in Europe, uh, Jen? Many, 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 many years ago, I um, so just spent to be, a month in Just to be France. clear, ladies and gentlemen, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, when I was, um, well, I guess I was, yeah, it was a long time ago. I got to spend a month in France. So I spent, uh, I think maybe we spent four days in Paris. And then the rest of the time uh, in the south of France. Have not been to um, England or Scotland um, or Wales. I would really love to go. So hopefully someday soon. Well, look, as soon as you get yourself over here, let us know immediately. We will come and, we'll come and meet up with you and show you the sites. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll, uh, we'll spoil you with uh, English tea and business. That would be awesome. Oh, yes. I would love that. Yes, nobody makes tea like us Brits, I no. tell you. It's, it's, it's just a totally <laughs> terrible experience. <laughs> <if you laughs> anyway. well, quite right, quite right, yes. Indeed. Anyway, on to the next story. Next Someone story <laughs> is, uh, this is for Jen, this one. This is, yeah. is for Jen. Yes. yes, I do believe that's mine. Now, it looks like it is on the get Bucks website? Yep. Indeed, yes. Get Bucks? Uh, Carlos Fine. <laughs> nobody really knows, to be honest with you, Jennifer. Uh, Carlos <laughs> finds stories Carlos from. Carlos could find. Yes, absolutely. He finds stories from <laughs> some of the most get random paid of locations. for reading this? Uh, let's hope so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's all hope so. We, we could do we, we could do some more coffers in in our in our in our coffee fund. So yes, 
Absolutely. Anyway, okay. yes, far away. Since it's, since it's for you guys. Um, oh, you're lovely. Norwegian Airlines Rold Dahl. Is that how to pronounce Ro- the Ro- name? Rold Dahl. Rold Dahl, yeah. Yeah, very good. Tribute plane set to make its maiden flight. Oh, cool. The Boeing 737-800 has a tribute to the world's greatest storyteller on its tail fin. And um, it's quite a nice uh, and impressive-looking tail fin, I must say. I've just just popped it up. If you're watching on YouTube, um, you'll find it uh, in our feed at the moment. If not, uh, it's uh, go to the getbucks.co.uk website and look for Ronald. If you search for Ronald Dahl, you'll find the picture. Exactly. So it says, Great Missenden's rolled doll has become Norwegian's first British tailfin hero. And his Boeing 737-800 will begin flying this weekend. Um, I didn't see the date on this article, so I don't know if that's already happened or if it's happening this upcoming weekend. Um, Dahl was a pilot in the RAF during the Second World War before becoming a writer. And his first work, Gremlins, was based on his time flying. He suffered a plane crash in the Libyan desert in 1940, but recovered quickly and went back to flying. He later served in diplomatic roles in America before returning to England, uh, settling first in Old Amersham and later at Gypsy House in Great Missenden. And then it goes on to say that uh, Norwegian has more than 80 tailfin heroes, but Dahl, who is of Norwegian ancestry, is the first British icon to grace its planes. The move was made partly to commemorate Dahl's 100th birthday, which was earlier this month, but also to acknowledge Norwegian's growth in the UK, where it now flies over 4 million passengers a year to more than 40 destinations. The airline chose Roald Dahl because it believes he symbolizes the spirit Norwegian by pushing boundaries, challenging the norm, and inspiring others. And I have to say, he is one of my favorite authors. And I think my favorite book by him was um, Danny, Champion of the World. Ah, yes, oh, yeah. cracking story, yes. I must admit, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for the old Charlie and the Choc- Chocolate Factory, actually. I've got, a, I've got a, a bit of a soft spot for that. And, of course, it's very sad because we lost Gene Wilder uh, very recently, didn't we? Mm, yeah. I was a big, yeah. big fan of it. I, I must admit, I had no time for the, for the remake um, with, no. um, with Johnny Depp. It, it was a bit too creepy no. for me. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, there's a bit of a confusion here because it says Saturday the 29th. But yeah, course, I did see that. But, the Saturday, but, but, but I think they tomorrow. mean... I think that... Yeah, I think they it mean... tomorrow, I yeah. think they mean... They got um, the dates wrong. Yeah, basically. I think they got the dates wrong. But, uh, no, it is... It was, the, the story itself was released uh, uh, yesterday. So, um, I, I think they mean this weekend coming. Norwegian, these, uh, the aircraft, the 737-800s, they have the, the uh, mm. tail fin logo stuff and that there's a lot of those flying i mean they come over here quite a bit frequently over the of uh the east anglia the east side of the uk where we live here um but they're just looking at their fleet list norwegian have actually got 102 78 uh 737-8 uh 800s in wow. their fleet um so it's quite a few but they have got some airbus uh 320 neos and 321 lrs on order um and they've obviously also that the norwegian have got a long-haul fleet as you you might know jen uh, they've got 787-8s, and they've also got 3-9s uh, as well in service of the Dreamliner. Because I think they've, they've started, Norwegian are doing uh, flights over to uh, JFK, Jen, from, uh, from the UK. I think I remember reading that. Uh, sadly, they don't fly into my little airport, so I won't get to see their magnificent tail fins. It's a bummer. 
That is a shame. And just on a side yeah. note, we're running a fight. Fa- we're running a listener favourite livery. Mm-hmm. Um, we are indeed. so yeah. Perhaps that, oh, might, that that's might, right. That might come up as uh, as someone's favourite. Uh, you never know. Yeah, Norwegian may well feature yeah. in that. But actually, we've had uh, while we're talking about that, we've had some fantastic. Um, feedback from people already. we have um, yeah. so please do keep coming to ke- do keep sending it all in mm. uh, podcast at plain talking mm. is the email address podcast at plain talking or you can ping us a mes- message via twitter we don't mind we sh- we'll collate collate the list basically and, and we'll do a top 10 like we did last week for um for our favorite airlines so jonathan the next story is all for you yes let's get it up why do airlines still offer in-flight duty-free? I don't know. This is on the <laughs> stuff dot, stuff.co.nz. Right, okay. You've been, you really have been trawling Another to random... random I was going to say, he's been really trawling the random locations this week, haven't you, Carlos? <laughs> Honestly, just because you're, you're on lates this week. Oh, you get so grumpy when you're on lates. He's unbearable, <laughs> listeners. When he's on, when he's on lates, he's... So he's, why do airlines <laughs> still offer in-flight <laughs> duty-free then, John? It says... Does anyone ever actually buy those perfumes, liquor, and watches? Profits of $4 billion says yes, they do. The duty-free cart rumbles down the aisle of your international flight, packed with perfumes, liquor, watches, adapters, and other travel must-haves. The cabin crew man in the cart look hopefully left and right, and if it's anything like typical flight, the cart gets to the end of the cabin without making a single sale. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. <laughs> Why do airlines continue with in-flight duty-free sales? There are plenty of opportunities for duty-free shopping at the airline terminals, usually with more choice. Full stop. The duty-free carts require a capital investment. They add weight, and airlines are constantly looking at ways to fly slimmer. I'm being attacked by cat now. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, that cute, cuddly thing you were showing us earlier? Yeah, that yeah. cute, cuddly thing. That keeps thing thinking that... my, my <laughs> leg is a scratching post. Oh. And then climbs up on me and keeps trying to chew my wires. Oh, no, no, we don't want that. Yeah, we don't want to electrocute <laughs> the cat. We don't want to electrocute the cat live on YouTube. That's not the kind of viewing <laughs> figures we go for. <laughs> yeah, you might get a different audience for that. Well, indeed. Yes, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Right, so why do airline duty-free sales even exist? The short answer is that some airlines, at least, in flight duty-free sales are big money spinners. In 2015, GuestLogics, which at the time was processing onboard duty-free sales, put the annual figure on for onboard duty-free sales in excess of US $3 billion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, According so. to Guest Logic, skincare products, makeup, and perfumes were the most popular items, followed by jewelry, watches, alcohol, and cigarettes. Some airlines were said to be turning over between 100 and 200 million every year just in in flight duty free sales. But it's a mixed picture depending broadly on where the airline calls home. At one end of the scale is Korean Air, which has installed Sky Shops aboard its 10-strong fleet of A380s. Sky Shops are mini malls in the sky, walk-in boutiques stocked with cosmetics, perfumes, liquor, fashion goods, pearls, dietary supplements, chocolate, watches, electronics, and pens. Underlining the airline's dedication to the concept, the Sky Shop sacrifices 13 of the A380 seats. A bold move when most airlines are shaving centimetres off of every possible space to squeeze in another body. Mm. 
According so, to guest logic, Scandinavians are inclined to buy more duty-free items in flight than any other Europeans. Oh, nice. VAT in Norway, Denmark, and Sweden is on Sweden on just about every item you might buy from onboard duty-free is a hefty twenty-five percent, one percent less in Finland. That's around five percent higher than most EU countries, hmm. and goes some way towards explaining their greater enthusiasm. Asian and Middle Eastern countries also report a more animated audience from board duty-free. So basically what we're saying here is that the airlines are, are going to carry on doing duty-free services. Yeah, for... it's questioning it, then explaining how much is spent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised, because I know like Ryanair quite often, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of wander through and sort of offer duty-free to... But to yeah, you. but I've, I've, all I the really flights I've that. taken, I've never seen any hardly anyone buy anything I have to confess I, have. I saw the same last year when I was on EasyJet the trolley walks up with overpriced perfume and like yeah, yeah. no I'm okay no, wait till right. I get there if I want to buy perfume yeah well this is it but I mean surely if, you, if you're going to buy that wait. sort of thing you, you'll tend to you'll t- <laughs> oh dear uh, you'll t- <laughs> be you are being mauled, mauled by, by, by a small cat uh, but it's you, not you, a big thing though I don't think anymore duty free back I think, in... it, I think it is still in the terminal in the I, terminal I think, yeah. you know but I, yeah. I, as I say I, I'm amazed they're wasting you know valuable um, you know as, as Jonathan was saying in the story you could you could put another bum on a seat yeah, you know all with, the with all less kind of 13 seats on that A380 well yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, yes, that's true yeah. that's a lot of seats off it is especially uh, if they're 14 grand a seat like you well, know, well yes indeed yeah, <laughs> all that money it's just a very bizarre sort of uh, yeah I, I just... is, that, is that something you're particularly bothered with Jen if you're flying you know are you, are you, are you a fan of a little duty, fan free? Of duty free I haven't flown commercially in so long and really? I haven't flown overseas in so long I don't even I don't think I've been given the opportunity to buy duty free yeah. In ages, so well, even even working at the, the airports are so big and like massive shopping malls that mm. you go in there, spend all your money on duty free in there. By the time you're on the plane, you you look at a half warm yeah. panini, you think mm, I've spent a bit much already. I'll wait <laughs> yes, till I get there. He's right, been watching thanks. the show too much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love the so paninis. We do. You sort of put off by overpriced duty free that's mm. still more expensive than in a normal shop. What's the advantage supposed to be? It's supposed well, to be supposed cheaper. cheaper, isn't it? Yeah. Tax-free? Yeah, basically. Yeah, tax-free. Um, yeah. But, but, I mean, I, I would tax argue free, that... Tax-free, but a higher standard price. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense, really, because, um, you know, ever since we joined the EU, uh, or, or uh, you know, since we've been sort of, you know, participating in the European Union, obviously that's about to change, but um, really, we, we haven't really... You know, you're moving from one European country to another, so presumably you still had, you know, you you weren't. It was only if you were flying internationally that that you got what I call proper duty-free prices. Having said that, alcohol in the terminal, if you're buying duty-free uh, alcohol-wise, is usually quite a lot cheaper if you're buying what they call like the export gin, uh, as an example, um, and that's usually. Uh, more it's one of those isn't it i think it depends on what you buy as to whether it's going to be cheaper you look like you've got something in the chat room there that's uh, amused you carlos <laughs> i'm just i'm just looking at the chat room i saw yeah. I, I can remember the days when you when you'd fly you know even with the the short haul kind of um flights around europe and you know duty free was a huge thing everyone was you know everyone every, nearly every row every seat row would buy something yeah. whether it be perfume cigarettes alcohol you know and stuff like that and there'd always be that, you know, there'd always be someone buying, but all the flights that I've taken the last, I don't know, five, six years, and the duty-free cart comes up the uh, the aisle, is 
very rare you do see someone buy anything these days um you know gifts and stuff they obviously have gifts and stuff the only thing that i've ever seen people actually buy funnily enough are probably aircraft or airplane geeks like myself and they'll buy the uh, you know the models which they sometimes sell that's that's all i've ever bought i bought an a321 (laughs) on a monarch flight once and that was it oh really that's the only thing i've ever bought on a flight except a bottle of water well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've all done that. And you paid the price for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yes. moving on to the next story, and uh, um, more sad news about the 747, the uh, the Queen of the Skies. Mm. Uh, this one on the uh, the centerforaviation.com site, the Kappa uh, uh, site, and the headline 747-400 fleet dwindles to 204 as Cathay Pacific, the latest airline to retire the Queen of the Skies. So the 747 has been in the spotlight since uh, August 2016, passing uh, of uh, lead engineer Joe Sutter. The iconic aircraft's milestone and fade from service came into focus again with the impending retirement of Cathay Pacific's passenger 747 fleet. Uh, A Cathay Pacific 747-400 was the final commercial flight to depart from Hong Kong's old airport at Kai Tak. Uh, while another Cathay 747 was the first commercial flight to land at the new airport at Chek Lapkok. Uh, that flight was also the first to use a polar routing, one which has changed the Asian North American market for all airlines. After the 1st of October 2016 return to Hong Kong of Cathay's final passenger 747 flight, CX-543 from Tokyo Haneda, Cathay's last three passenger 747s will be decommissioned from normal service. The global fleet of passenger Combi 747-400s will then decrease to 204, according to Kappa's fleet database. The 747-400s in regular non-charter service will number 175. Six airlines, British Airways, United, KLM, Lufthansa, Qantas and Thai Airways operate 10 or more 747s accounting for 65% of what is left in or left of the regular in-fleet service around the world. United will retire their 747 fleet by 2018 while British Airways and Qantas which operates the slightly newer 747-400ER look likely to do uh, or be some of the last 747s uh, the non-8 operators with servers stretching into 2020. That's a shame, really, that uh, you know the airlines. Obviously, they are an old aircraft, and as they've said in many of the other podcasts, you know these uh, these aircraft have got four engines as opposed to, to uh, two. Mm. You know, wide-bodied, uh, you know, twin-engine. Uh, you've got four engines burning all that fuel, and you know, you look at the uh, the new seven, the triple seven um, X uh, that will be coming out soon. You know, that's going to hold uh, as nearly as many people, I think, as the uh, the four hundred. But mm. um, I'm gl- I'm glad. Uh, very glad indeed that I had I did um, obviously get the chance to fly for the first time on on a on a four hundred uh, seven four seven four hundred with uh, Virgin in February this year, and uh, I'm glad I've done that now because you know it's looking like there won't be that many left mm. uh, in uh, in a few more years. Feet. It's a dying asset, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's yeah. very sad, really. Um, but uh, again, it's it's one of those, isn't it? You know, you've got to update. You've got to update the tech, technology, it's and fuel, you know, fuel it's, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I think things have to change. Don't looking they, after uh, two engines is obviously cheaper than looking mm. after uh, four. It's a yeah, shame, but uh, yeah. uh, Mike has, uh, Mike has just put in the chat room. It's it's the loading that makes them so great for cargo, as no other mm. aircraft has a front load like the seven four seven. Yeah, that, that is true. Very true. That is true. Yeah. 
That is true. We have um, a cargo airport, and we have a number of 747s that fly in there. Mm. They are, mate. St- I think they'll still go on for quite a long time with the yeah. cargo usage, because obviously mm. there's a lot of the big cargo. I know Atlas uh, use the 747-400, and I think UPS as well. Over in the states, I'm sure that you use the seven four seven four hundred as well. That's favourite. Yeah, my favourite currently. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but we won't talk about that because obviously we're no. this is this is the show, and uh, you know it's. Uh, to be fair to, to to said company, the device that I was waiting for did arrive in the UK surprisingly quickly from its original origin. So just failed to get here. It just fa- yeah. it was once it arrived in Norwich, it became a problem. But anyway, there we are. The next story <laughs> is for you, Matt. Okay, yes. Uh, the next story is uh, on The Guardian, which is apparently, if rumour rumours are to be believed, a quality newspaper. And the headline, uh, and, I, and I, I agree with this headline quite, uh, quite um, strongly, actually, because uh, as some of you know, obviously my mum has some minor um, mobility issues. Uh, and it says, UK airport passengers face a one-kill kilometer walk from check-in to departure or oh, damn sight longer if it's Luton but anyway um, Abta warns that long distances may prevent travellers who have difficulty walking from catching their flight on time uh, passengers at UK airports have to walk up to a kilometre from check-in desks to reach departure gate research shows travel organisation Abta warned that many travellers who have difficulty in walking only request assistance once they arrive at the airport which may be too late this can lead to them having to make their own way across the terminal on foot or miss their flight. The maximum distances for check-in or special assistance desks to departure gates, according to APTA, include 1,165 metres at Stansted <coughs> Airport, 900 metres at Luton Airport, 822 metres at Manchester Airport, 750 metres at Glasgow Airport and 530 metres at Birmingham Airport. Um, APTA's uh, Director of Destinations and Sustainability, Nikki Wright White, said the travel industry is committed to making holidays and other travel arrangements accessible for everyone. For most, travelling through airports is a fairly straightforward process, but for those who may find walking longer distances harder to manage, larger airports can present a real challenge. We would encourage anyone who may need assistance to inform their tour operator or airliner no later than 48 hours before they travel so that their journey through the airport will be as comfortable as possible and they will be able to board their flight with plenty of time to spare. Now, um, some of you who may watch watched our earlier shows, um, actually, we covered this in great length, didn't we, when I took mum, I can't remember where we flew to now, but we were flying out of Luton, and the first time we went to Luton, we had exactly this problem, that mum really struggled to get to the uh, departure gate, um, and we, we almost sort of missed our flight, because it was just such a long walk, and, you know, mum can only walk a few you know, a few yards before she needs to rest because, you know, her hips are playing her mm. up, etc. Stance uh, is the same. Mm. For and I, well, uh, domestic or, or, um, or um, uh, international as well, it's the same. But having reported when, when we went last time, I thought, right, well, because I, I, it was like, because we, you know, mum doesn't really need a, a wheelchair for day to day. It was only just going from this one part. So I thought, well, I'll phone, I'll phone the airline and sort of see what's available. Well, I can't, I mean, we flew with EasyJet and, and the service that we received from from Luton Airport was nothing short of outstanding. It was just incredible, the fact that they they sort of, 
you know, so not only did they have a wheelchair, but we were pushed straight through security. We didn't have to queue. We didn't have to do any of these things. They loaded us on the aircraft first, so we were able to get everything all up in the uh, all up in the lockers and everything all all light really quickly. Uh, so if you if you do have a similar problem, anyone who's listening to this who does have any kind of uh, mobility issue, I cannot recommend strongly enough. Give your airline as much notice as you can. Give them a ring as soon as you've booked your tickets even to arrange something that they call here in the UK special assistance because I promise you if you've got mobility issues you will not regret it. It, was, it is absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, just going back to that. Have you been leaning on your tablet again? No, you? just pressing that. <laughs> no, it, it, um, Stance is the same. If you fly from London Stance at mm. airport, I did just mention in the chat room there, you know, we, we, when we're flying with Ryanair from there, the, the gates, the Ryanair gates are quite a substantial walk from uh, from the actual right. yeah. uh, departure lounge area. Um, and you, you generally do tend to see a lot of those um, those buggies, you know, the beep, beep, yeah. beep buggies that you yeah, see with, uh, with people. Yeah, on. Yeah, but it's, I've, I saw a similar story to this on online early this week, Jen, about uh, a lot of the airports over over in the states and that having, you know, obviously ha- massive airports. Um, Glenn Taylor has just put in there as well that LAX has always been pretty awful uh, for walks uh, to gates and stuff. I'm guessing mm-hmm. uh, about the airport where you are based, uh, Jen. Um, you know, I to me it doesn't seem too excessively long as far as distance uh, we're not a huge airport we're sort of I call it medium sized um, we do have uh, assistance I know for people who need it mm. uh, um, okay. I, I think we're having a few problems with um, I, I think Okay, I think uh, so. If you can still hear me, Jennifer, we're having a few problems with your your line. But you need help. Oh, oh, hello. Yes, all right. I think I think I I hear that we're cutting out. Yes, have you? uh, Have you? Hello. Are you there? <laughs> ah, there we are. I'm yes. here. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, sorry. As I say, I think the storm has storm. finally caught up with you by, by the sound of it. But Perhaps uh, a little bit. It, it is pretty ugly out there. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, but anyway, so, yes, I was saying that we do offer assistance, mm. and it's best to call ahead, but we do offer it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think because it, it is one of those if you book if you just booked your flight, then you need to uh, contact the airline and do it directly. But also, Barbara was is saying nowhere can be as bad as Dubai. It's like walking through hundreds of marble palaces. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what she's saying, Barbara. I totally agree with you there because we've flown through there a few times, and it is. It, I mean, there is a lot of walking involved, but the, the sites are awesome. <laughs> Some of the sites in in uh, Dubai's airport are quite interesting. I will mm, say. I bet. So moving on to the next story, yeah, and this which one. I think is mine. Yeah, Can okay. you hear me? We hear yes. you. Yes, fingers crossed, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will give this a try. That's right. I think um, we're, we're, the, from... the line is stabilized, so I think hopefully we'll be all right. Okay. Now. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, this is from the Flight Global website, and it says drone blamed for Dubai airport closure. Oh no. Du- yeah, uh, it's from, looks like the 28th of September, so just a couple of days ago. It says, Dubai International Airport's operator is blaming a drone intrusion for an hour-long interruption to services, including closure of its airspace for about 30 minutes. The airport, which is the base for Emirates, closed between 08.08 and 08.35 uh, on 28 September. Dubai would typically record, 
30, around 30 departures in the morning uh, during this time interval. The operator, Dubai Airports, attributes the closure to unauthorized drone activity and states that it caused a number of delays. While arrivals resumed at 8.35 and departures at 8.40, the operator says restrictions were not lifted until 9.07. And it states that um, safety is company's company. So this puzzled me a little bit because it doesn't really say what kind of drone activity mm. um, or where or who reported it. I mean, Dubai so, is, Dubai is a huge airport. I don't know airport. what to make of that. Yeah. Dubai is such a huge airport. You know, it's a massive, it's a huge airport. Right. For, um, for someone to have a to have a drone or, or anything flying and, and do some flying around there, then, yeah. you know, I mean... Yeah. It's a it's a big zone uh, yeah, area that they shouldn't huge be flying. Area. Essentially, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, obviously, to have the amount of money there is in in Dubai to have a a, a DJI Phantom was probably um, it's easy for them. Whereas for us, it costs a lot of money here well, in the yeah, UK. This is you true. would think. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that, I mean, we we normally run the story every now and again, uh, Jen, about yeah. uh, drones interfering with uh, with aircraft, you know, around the UK. We've got lots of incidents uh, alongside the laser pointing incidents as well. With we normally right. report on here in the UK. I think um, it's uh, um, Mariana is suggesting that we should just blast them out of the air. Yeah, someone yeah. did actually. <laughs> there was there was a story I, me- I remember listening to on the uh, the Airplane Geek show. They mm. won their last episodes and. Uh, there was uh, someone who, who shot, who blasted a, um, a, a drone out of the sky or, you know, a UAV mm. with a shotgun. Yeah, this Shotguns is it. Uh... at the end of all airports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go down too well. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what could go wrong there? I mean, <laughs> nothing could go wrong there. Uh, was uh, it the Dutch airline that was employing, like, big eagles to catch? Like, yeah, like I think yeah. it was. Pull them out of the air, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, training I saw them a too. video on that. That looked impressive. Yeah, I think all airports should have that. That's the way forward. That's quite good. Yeah, I definitely. Like yeah, I volunteer to do that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, then the, the bird is then also another piece of fod in the air. <laughs> yeah, zoink, yeah. mine. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you didn't get hit by the drone, but you did suck our eagle up into your engine. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. Okay, all right, there you could be a problem. the drone, just the bird strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the bird strike, yeah. Poor bird. So, yeah, four aircraft were ruined as a result, but nevertheless, yes. Uh, that, that's <laughs> somewhere, somewhere else we can take uh, Jennifer to in the UK when she comes across it. We can take yeah. her to, to a, uh, a bird of prey sanctuary. That's true. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Masha is saying fun. it was the Dutch police. The Dutch uh, police. Masha was saying it was the Dutch police that were, were oh, using the, Dutch the drones. Police. Yeah, okay. they were using the eagles to pull ah. out the drones from the. It's good. It's a good the, idea. Yeah. This is why I love the chat. You see, people correct us. I love it here before before we finish. So, Real time correcting. This, I know. This that's, is the way. That's forward. why we yeah. love the chat room. We do very much so. Yes, I'm sorry if anybody of you are watching on Facebook. I can't get into the Facebook chat for oh, some reason you? here. So apologies oh, okay. if you are listening I'll, on, I'll have on a Facebook. Um, but uh, I, I can't get in, in there for some reason. So the last story uh, in the commercial news segment is all for you, Jonathan, on uh, this one. Me. Yeah. It is on the, the local.de website. That's a German website. <laughs> Good. Yes, it's not very local Another to us. very then, yes. random <laughs> website. Yes, he doesn't get out much, does Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Air Berlin to cut 1,200 jobs and half its airline fleet. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, struggling Air Berlin, Germany's second largest airline, announced on Wednesday a major re- restructuring plan that shrinks its fleet and cuts 1,200 jobs. 
In a statement, the loss-making company said it planned to concentrate its core operations and dedicated focus network carrier serving higher yielding markets from its two key hubs in Berlin and Dusseldorf. Air Berlin said it would provide up to 40 Airbus A320 to rival Lufthansa, the leading German carrier, and it would operate up to 38 planes under a six-year agreement beginning 2017. Fewer staff will be required with up to 1,200 positions becoming redundant, Air Berlin said. Air Berlin said it would operate a core fleet of 75 aircraft from, from Berlin and Dusseldorf beginning in mid-2017. The carrier had a fleet of 144 planes in June. Eblin also announced it would separate its tour touristic business into independently operating business unit as a strategic option as as strategic options are evaluated. Lufthansa separately announced same 40 aircraft deal saying it will allow its budget airline Eurowings to significantly expand its capacities and strengthen its position in the European point-to-point air transport market. The final agreement is expected to be concluded on the fourth quarter of this year. The Lufthansa added and is Lufthansa added and is subject to the company's supervisory boards and competition authorities. Air Berlin Chief, Chief Exec Stefan Pichler said restructuring plan was necessary due to significant external market pressures which dictate change to our current complicated business model. We have to make reductions, but we will aim to do so in a supportive manner, offering new opportunities to employees where possible, he added in a statement. be a shame if we lost Come, um, Air Berlin, actually, because yeah. they're, they're quite a large airline over, um, over in Germany. Yeah. They're kind of... Mm. Um, Kind of a kind of an easy jet over in in Germany. It's a similar sort of equivalent, similar thing. equivalent yeah. thing. Yeah, German easy jet. Yeah. yeah, and for them to to cut that amount of jobs and, and half the airline fleet, I actually thought I thought that uh, Air Berlin were doing really well. Mm. But, yeah, the, the, how I read into it over the last kind of year, but uh, they've got. I'll just look at their fleet list. Actually, their current fleet. They've got a mix of Airbus, Boeing, and Bombardier. Right, or Bombardier. Bombardier. Um, <laughs> yeah, they've got. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I they've know, got I'm sorry. Uh, they've got quite a lot of Airbus in the fleet, 321s, 32319 and they've also got 14A330-200. Yeah, but it's not as good as Bombardier. But they've also got uh, <laughs> they've got they've got uh, they've, they've got 16 Boeing, a mix of 700 uh, 800s in there and obviously the Bombardier-8Q400s. Um but to cut, cut all those Says last year the company suffered a record loss of 447 million euros. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. Yeah, you yeah. can see why they're shrinking. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're. Um, I mean, it says on their website they'll be phasing out the the uh, 737-800s in 2016. They're phasing mm. those out. Um, but uh, it's, it's it is a shame if uh, if they kind of you know obviously for people for jobs and stuff like that. You know, we've, yeah. we've covered. Uh, you know, airlines hiring people in the last few weeks, mm. and uh, now this airline is obviously, sadly, you know, going to cut uh, uh. cut their staff. Well, but, I mean, hopefully, it's it's not the end. Maybe it's you know mm. just a little restructuring, as they call it. Yeah. In, in in most industries, a little restructuring, and and uh, all 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 their worries could go away. I mean, I I can think of several uh, companies who have done something similar, and they've come out the other end stronger. So yeah, you know, as long maybe. as people keep their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit of restructuring, and mm. um, and you'd I'm like sure to think be... that a lot of the 
the air crews would follow the aircraft to Lufthansa, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, this is true. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that brings the commercial news segment to a close for this week. So mm-hmm. what have we got coming up now? Then, right, well, we're going to do a little bit of listener feedback. Uh, so we've got Woo-hoo. a couple, couple of uh, listener feedbacks to play out uh, to now. We're going to start with uh, Fabian. And uh, then after that, we've got some video feedback um, from Myla. So we're going to ro- run those for you back to back right now. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Matt. Hi, Pip. Hi, Pilot Pip. And everyone listening. It's ATPL student Fabian from Germany. For reference, I was at the Schiphol meetup which Marsha organized. I really enjoyed your podcast. Episode 131 was my first time in a live chat. I heard Pip talk about gliding and thought I would add something about bungee lunches. Some members of my glider club and I went to a famous German gliding airfield a few weeks back. There's a club located named Oldtimer Glider Club Wasserkuppe. They operate SG-38, a glider that was designed just before the Second World War and used to teach cadet pilots the principles of flight. The airfield is located on top of a small mountain. We went there especially to do bungee launches in the SG-38. I will attach a picture of it so you can see what it looks like. You sit on a piece of wood. With a stick and a rudder, with stick, with, with the stick and rudder pedals in front of you, there is no cockpit and no kind of instrumentation. At the rear of the glider, below the rudder, are two ropes. The so-called holding team is placed here during the launch. The holding team is made up of out of four to five people. The glider will be placed at the top of a hill in a takeoff position. The flight instructor talks to you and explains you a few things. Then he attaches a bungee in the front. The bungee extends in a V-shape from the aircraft. At the end of both ends of the V-shape is a rope connected to the bungee. Here you find the pulling team. The pulling team on each side is made up of at least five people. But the more, the better. The flight instructor holds the wings level, asks the holding team if they are ready. When they answer yes, he will ask the pulling team. If they confirm, the flight instructor will give the command to the pulling team to start stretching the bungee. The pulling team will start walk downhill, and while holding, while the holding team holds the aircraft from moving, then the flight instructor gives the order to run. The pulling team will start run downhill. At one point, the, the flight instructor will shoot out, "Go." This is the moment the holding team let go of the ropes while the pulling team keeps running downhill and tries not to fall over each other. You in the meanwhile are flitched into the air and now fly an aircraft with a glide ratio of 1 to 8. This means 1 8 meter of height will give you 1 meet 8 meters in distance if you fly at the best glide ratio. You don't have a lot of time to fly. Do not over control the glider and just flare it a little bit once you're landing. Your average flight time on a good day will be around will be around 20 to 30 seconds. Since everyone else wants to fly, now it's your turn to be on the pulling team. Um, 
Ross asked me to send in a little voice feedback. And uh, so here I am, and I'm super excited about it. Let me start off with saying that um, I've been part of this community for nearly a year now, and I absolutely love it. You guys are great. You're awesome. You're so friendly, and we have so much fun together. I think it's great. And when Colors asked me to do a little voice feedback, I told him I'd love to do it. But I have my exam coming up, and I'd like to focus on that first, and if I pass, I'll send you a little voice feedback. Well, good news is I passed, so I'm really happy about that. And what this exam was that I did, um, it was the annual renewal of my license. Now, for you guys that don't really know how that works, I'm sure Pip's got a wonderful segment out there that covers everything about licenses and how they work. And so you pass your exam, and then you get a rating. And the ratings are written down on your license, like like this. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. You have all your ratings and your exams written over there. Um, but they have they have a valid until date, which means if you don't fly enough hours to keep them valid, you have to do another exam to make them valid for another year. And this Wednesday, I flew my multi-engine exam, and I passed. So that's awesome news, basically because when you want to join an airliner, they require you to have a valid multi-engine instrument rating, and that's the exam I did. So that's a little bit about um, how licenses work and what you have to do to renew them. And other than that, thanks for having me on the show. It's been great, and I hope to see you next time. Bye. Oh, thank nice. you. Very kind. So it's so nice to have video feedback. I for know. A That's Apologies awesome. to our guests because they couldn't hear that bit because it was a video. Basically, it meant that they can't they can't hear that. So humble apologies. So Fabian, uh, thanks guests, for sending uh, your feedback, and it, it ended abruptly. Whether that was, uh, I think, mm. that your, whether your recording device cut you off there before mm. the end. Yeah. But uh, thank you for your feedback, Fabian, on uh, on the gliding. Mm. Always a good. Uh, always yes, good to hear. ties in nicely, obviously, because because of Pip's with Pip's feedback. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we, we need to say a big round of applause and congratulations to Myla for. Yeah. Yes, see, I told yeah. you, I told her she'd pass. Yeah, I absolutely. told her, Yay, I said you'd pass. Myla. Yeah, I know. I told. I, I, see, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yes. The all-knowing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the all-knowing oracle that is Carlos. Everyone, brace yourself. And uh, <laughs> obviously, Myla is actually in the chat room as well. So oh, uh, make lovely. sure that everyone is in the chat room. Make sure you all congratulate. You do, uh, yes, Myla absolutely. For, they, they, they're they're doing it as I see. Look, yeah, yes, it's all good. good. Yes, very well, good. Very good. Okay. So when um, we're uh, going to hand things over to uh, our uh, resident um, military aviation expert, absolutely. aren't we? He's got yes. uh, a few stories of the military aviation persuasion to bring you. So we are going to uh, hand over stuff. We're going to play the stinger first. Play the stinger first. Let's play yes, the stinger absolutely. first. Yes. So uh, if you're ready, Jonathan. Oh, I think so. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's go. go. <laughs> Here we go then. We welcome the legend that is Jonathan. So, so what we're going to start with then, Jonathan? I've got a there's three small stories that they're cool. not particularly big. I thought I'd just keep them quite short and sweet for the first time. Yeah, cool. Um, 
the first one's actually a video story, and I didn't have the presence of mind to pass it on to. <sighs> actually, I did. It's on Facebook. Okay, all right. You you do that, and I'll see if I can find it. In reach right now. Yeah. Okay. So it's with um as you read the story, then I'll see if I can find it. Okay. It's on the Aviationist, and it is watch an epic deafening US B1B bomber head-on takeoff. Oh wow. Um, I chose this because I was stood within 50 yards of this person videoing it. It says, the following clip was filmed a few weeks ago. It's actually a week ago. Outside the perimeter fence at RAF Fairford in the UK, where two B-1 bombers belonging to the 7th Bomb Wing at Dias Air Force Base, Texas, were deployed. The two Lancers, along with a single B-52, took part in exercise Ample Stroke 2016. A yearly Czech Republic-led exercise with 300 participants from 18 countries. Says the video is not very good quality and a bit shaky, but gives you a rough idea of what an almost head-on takeoff of the B-1 looks like. The heat and exhaust flow blew me off. It says the exhaust blew me off my feet. Apparently developed a hydraulic fault on takeoff, so required more runway than usual. For a safe lift off, hence why it was so low. Although yeah. actually, that's not quite right. I know a bit more about that. But it was um, basically on takeoff that day. It was the last day of the exercise, and it was going back stateside. So I was actually in talks with um, the colonel who was flying some of the missions on the exercise, and he knew where some of us were going to be. And I said to him, "Was it for our?" benefit and he said nope it was just very heavy so it needed the two mile runway a two mile runway uh, right on the yeah 10,000 foot Fairford wow well, a big uh, old runway then sort of it, it got about three quarters down the nose wheel lifted and then it just sat on the main undercarriage for the rest of it and then eventually just creeped over the fence right at the end of the runway where I was stood and just destroyed all of our ears. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> Such an amazing sight, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. We've got a few gremlins in our system here at, at this end, so apologies. I'm not able to play the video out to you. But, um, yeah, as I say, if you, if you go to... Uh, you said the, on the, it's the Facebook page of the Avi- Aviationist, did you say? that? Um, it it was actually... I, I went on the Aviationist website, so it is... Let me see. A, theaviationist.com. It was one of their main featured stories. So, but I did actually get my own shots of it, and they're on my phone. So yeah, okay. If I put it up to the screen, you might have a vague idea of what it was like. Oh really yeah! Wow, look at that! What a beast! It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, that's... one that will live long in the memory. Yeah, I bet it was. So I mean, I mean, it's, it, 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 I, I know from when when we saw the. Um, the Vulcan. I was lucky enough to see it at um, not only at um, Riyadh last year, but also at um, oh, where was it? Um, at uh, was the one that I keep going on about where I sent you some feedback for the very first time. Oh, that was Waddington. 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 That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I remember yeah. seeing it there. And it's that noise, isn't it? It, it, it? There is no noise like it when you've got a really throaty engine that's sort of you know full power trying to get up. Or what? I mean, it is. Like nothing you'll ever you'll ever experience, is it? It's it's. it's... And the, the B one makes a Vulcan sound like a Cessna. Oh, 
dear. <laughs> what are you trying me. to say, I mean, Jonathan? I think, top of my head, I think Vulcan's something like £20,000 thrust an engine. Wow. And they're not really heat. They're dry, it's dry thrust. Um, B1s, I think it's 31500 on full reheat. Right now, there's four of them. Now, me, who who's a little bit of a, a novice here, just explain to me what the difference is between the dry thrust and and uh, what was the other one you said? Re- reheat is some um, reheat produces a lot more power. Right, and uses a hell of a lot more fuel as well. Okay, uh, and what's the difference but, in but, the processes? Uh, like so, so, all the runways. So, I mean, so what's the difference between Sorry? the two? What's what's the sort of difference between the the, the um, two with regard literally to just the power they produce? I mean, right. dry. I, I expect that the B one on full dry power wouldn't be far off what a uh, Vulcan would be on full power. Right. But with the reheat, it gives a, a lot of extra power for like takeoff rolls and wow. quick getaways. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, there's indeed. not much that's louder than a B1 that I know of. Wow. Apart from a space shuttle. The space shuttle, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you don't get to see many of those, let's be honest. No, no. <laughs> no they're few and far between. Yeah. So what else have you got for us? What other pearls of uh, wisdom have you got for us in this week, Jonathan? The second one, I thought I'd leave a Malta-based one to last for you, Carlos. The sec- <laughs> second one is U2 flights resume after the pilot killed in the crash. Ah. There's... Uh, U2 Dragon Lady roared to life on a runway at Beale Air Force Base at 9.01am on Friday. I think this was Friday last week. And took off and took flight into the skies above Yuba Sutter for the first time since pilot was killed and another injured in the crash in the Sutter Buttes on Tuesday. And that was, I think that was Tuesday last week as well. It doesn't say on oh, yeah. So the time was 9.01 and it was chosen to to honour Lieutenant Colonel Iris Stephen Iris Stephen Shooter Edie I've, I've mauled that one the pilot who died and was representative of the 9th Reconnaissance Wing and the 1st Reconnaissance Squadron the unit, the unit that Eddie was assigned to Eddie and the co-pilot ejected from the TU-2S two-seat training version of the U-2 before the plane hit the ground. Both pilot parachutes deployed. The other pilot has not been identified and beard officials have not released an update on his condition. Hmm. That's not good. Um, it's, it's always very worrying. He, it's, it says he's not he's uh, not suffering life-threatening injuries. Oh, well, that, that's something at least. Hmm. Yeah, I always get a bit nervous when they don't release the, the status, if you like, of... Uh, of yeah. yeah. It always makes you a little bit nervous thinking you, you can't help but sort of think the worst really can you when uh, when they're, they're not doing that so that's a bit strange but um yeah well, that's so good, that, good. as operations return to some semblance of normality investigations underway at the crash site next to past road in the set of buttes the dragon lady first flew more than 61 years ago but the actual u2s model used today was built in the 80s and gone through several life extension programs all f were all airframes in the Air Force must meet stringent airworthiness standards in order to remain in the service, Deputy Chief of Aviation Safety Randall Rushworth said. It says the U-2 has had a comparatively safe record. It's only had one Class A mishap in the last 10 years. 
we don't have many opportunities to investigate this aircraft because it's good it has a good safety record um yeah we'll leave that one there just goes on about the local area <laughs> <laughs> i was just looking at the u2 it's one of those aircraft um that uh, not many people know a huge great deal about the lockheed u2 and it's uh, it's a strange aircraft to see as well, I think, Jonathan. For this, I haven't actually it's, seen one of these yeah, up close. But it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of a, uh, to put it in a sense, it's kind of a cross. It's a perfect cross, near enough. And if you look at the aircraft, it's because it's got a very straight, narrow, slim body with uh, a kind of um, there we go. Matt's just popping up the image on the screen there as best he can. Anyway. As best he can. Yeah. Um. It it just just looks. Yeah, it's, a it's not a perfect picture, but it gives yeah, you an idea of the shape aircraft, and size, yeah. Personally, I think. I mean, you've probably have the, you've had the chance to see one of these up close, I expect, John. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw one in Fairford about a month ago. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, this is... Uh, they're, they're quite regular visitors. They, they go on exchange every two or three months. Hmm. You get a couple go west and a couple go east for deep maintenance. Yeah, there, there's, it's, it's, it's sort of strikes you. Mike has Mike has put in the chat room that they're very difficult to fly. Oh, are they? Mm. Yeah, they got bicycle undercarriage. Oh dear, yeah, more like a power. <laughs> They've only got two wheels down the centre line. That's it. Yeah. So wow. they are like a giant glider. Oh wow! Oh no! Oh dear! When, when they land it, they they let a wing drop. They got little titanium skids on the wings, so just mm. let it drop to the side. And uh, then the crews chase it down the runway and they fix little trolley wheels onto the underside of the wing. Mm. And then when they launch them on their next mission, just as they get enough airspeed to hold the wings level, they shed the little trolley wheels off and they bounce down the runway behind them. Blimey. (laughs) It is quite impressive to watch them because the climb rate's unbelievable. Mm. They'll sort of take off and, I mean, they use absolutely no runway at all. Really? And they'll, they'll sort of get power up, and because of the size of the wing and the mm. power of it, it just sits on the tail and points skywards. Wow. Okay. So, so, so you've the, got a you've got a story then about uh, a certain island in the Mediterranean that I like. Oh. Yeah, I chose oh. this. I thought you might like this one, although you might be a bit sort of green-eyed having not been there. I was there last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, that's yeah. last year. Yeah. Glaze over everyone. Go on, go yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's Ukrainian Air Force Su-27 Flankers Rock Motor Air Show. It says you two Ukrainian Air Force Su-27 Su-27 Flankers and one accompanying IL-76 have been amongst the highlights of the motor air show this year. It says Malta hosted the t- traditional air show over last weekend, even though bad weather force the organisation to cancel the display on the Sunday. The arrival of the participants as well as the Saturday show provided an opportunity to take some cool shots of the most interesting aircraft that have visited Malta for the event. Surely the most awaited guests of the year, the year's edition of the Malta Air Show, were the SU-27s. Indeed, SU-27 and an SU-27UB, the UB stands for two-seat, um, supported by an IL-76 candidate, landed at the Maltese airport on September 22nd. It says the Ukrainian trio arrived in style, performing a low pass over the runway before coming to land. And it's a very low formation pass. I don't know if you've got the photos up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just working on that now. Yes, uh, it, uh, it's also a very pretty aircraft. Colour scheme. Yeah, yeah colour scheme, scheme is awesome. Two colours on them, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm just going to say... Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
static a few years back, and it's very nice. So, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, then, um, as I say, I'm just going to pop the picture up for you now. There we go. Uh, it is, it is a, a, an incredible... Um, that, the sort of that livery, paint scheme isn't it? is so awesome. I mean, yeah, if, we, if, we were doing a, if, we were do, if we were doing a top ten uh, military, mili- military colour schemes, yeah. color schemes, obviously grey would be very um, popular. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Along with grey <laughs> and offshoots on Military grey. have got it right with those flankers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, if you've got a nice blue sky, I mean, that will sort of blend in rather <laughs> nicely. It'll just look like a cloud flying across. As long as the underneath is the same as well. Otherwise, yeah. you'd have to uh, fly the aircraft inverted the all the time. Just uh, pale blue. <laughs> ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So as I say, if you get a sort, of, if it's flying against a blue backdrop, it really will almost disappear. Yeah. So Jennifer, are you much uh, much of a military aviation fan yourself? I quite enjoy seeing military airplanes. Um, do I know a lot about them? Am I an historian like Johnson <laughs> or David Vanderhoof? No. But I do enjoy them when I see them. My favorite military airplanes would be um, the C-5 Galaxy. Oh, good. And the F-18. Ah. The, the old model Galaxy, though, with the old engines that scream at you. The really loud ones. Yeah, <laughs> the new ones have got sort of Airbus-style quiet engines. No, 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 no. No, the ones that make your ears bleed. Yeah, that's <laughs> the But isn't that what all military aviation aircraft do, though? Make your ears well, I think bleed. that is their main yeah. job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I like military <laughs> aviation more, I think. Exactly. I, I, can, I, can, I, have, I have fond <laughs> memories of standing next to a, a Eurofighter Typhoon at Riyadh mm. a few years back and forgetting to put my ear defenders on and um, just having you know no ear defenders at all. And my ears hurt a lot <laughs> after that. I'll tell you what, when I was at Fairford last week with that B1, I had an instant headache. That's the only time I've ever experienced something like that. I was warned, have you got ear defenders? Like, ear defenders? Who needs them? Nah, I don't do ear <laughs> defenders. Health and safety? Because huh? I had a friend who was there the week before, had the same thing happen. He said, yeah, you'll want them. No, I won't. <laughs> and I did. Actually, I John, Tony did. S. in the chat room has just put uh, that they're getting 13 Grippens next week at Leeming. Cool. Ah. Oh, That's in the are. chat room there. I've got to admit, the Grippen doesn't do a lot for me. I've, I find it... <laughs> a, for, for a fire, I find it slightly boring. It, <gasps> oh. We'll start a whole Sorry, new discussion. Yeah, no, let, let, let's, <laughs> it's, it's very sort of... I don't know, it's like a cheap fighter. It is. <laughs> what do you mean? It's made. Looking. The Grippen's made by Saab. That's, that's not a cheap I know, it's fighter. very nice, but then you look at Saab's legacy with the Draken and the Viggen and their massive, beefy, heavy duty aircraft. I mean, the Viggen especially is really big, massive, great big engine on it. And it is. Then they brought the Grippen out, it's like the, the poor man's Eurofighter. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you know, I was just looking. I was actually just looking on uh, on uh, Google just then to see see what the uh, kind of the silhouette shape of the Gripen is, and it, it does look very much like a, a kind of Eurofighter um, is this take like off. And now you buy a Eurofighter in say Tesco's, and then you'll go to Audi <laughs> to get a Gripen. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> oh, 
Obviously, you're going to get us in trouble. You're going to get us in trouble with Micah. Micah's going to say something about that. Oh, I'm, glad I can't, I'm glad I can't see the chat room. That's all I'm saying on I that one. See it. Oh god. <laughs> okay. So we have uh, we have talking about Micah. Ah, the legend that is. We have yes. got the uh, main man. The yeah. main man. So we have absolutely. got a little bit of uh, a kind of segment from Micah to play right yep. now, and then we're going to have a little chat with uh, Jennifer. With the lovely Jennifer. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So hold on the line there for for just a little while longer. She's being so patient. With us, bless her, isn't she? But uh, yeah, so, so get, just, get your questions ready for if you've got any yep. any, any probing yes, questions. Your opportunity Jennifer. to talk all, directly to the lovely yes. Jennifer. Ask her any question you like. Uh, if you if you want to do a bit of research, then it's talesfromtheterminal.com is where you'll find her blog. Uh, but uh, whilst we're all doing that, we're going to play you a nice little segment out from the legend that is. And I don't know why I've put Carlos's camera up, but there we are. Hello, hi. Uh, the <laughs> legend that is the main man, Micah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a secret about me. It's a nasty secret that generally doesn't go over well with people and has even ruined potential relationships in the past. It's an unacceptable thing that so many people can't understand and that I've been persecuted about my whole life. Some who know me well know about this inner darkness, but generally I keep it very quiet. Okay, are you ready? You want to know this dark, awful secret about your main man, Micah? Okay. I'll tell you. I don't really get on so well with children. No, don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm intolerant. Well, okay, I lied. Depending on their age and behavior, I'm intolerant. But given my druthers, generally I stay away from children. Strange, I know, but stranger still. With all the amazing, wonderful times I had during Farnborough 2016, three of them involved children. And no, I'm not talking about eating ice cream for breakfast with Captain Al. The first was Friday evening when Stuart and Nina told me about their child and how he likes listening to the airline pilot guy. Well, who doesn't? Obviously, Nina and Stuart are parents of a remarkable child, an up-and-coming genius. The second great experience involving a child during the Farnborough trip was after the big podcast on Saturday night. That's when little Michaela, along with her mother and father, came up to the table we were broadcasting from and reminded me that I had promised her a paper airplane. Now, being that I have such limited experience with children, I have no idea how old she was. She could have been anywhere from two to seven. They all look the same to me. I can say, though, that Michaela was very sweet and quite happy to have a paper airplane made especially for her. And to tell you the truth, I was happy to make it for her. But the most special time I had involving children while at Farnborough was at the air show itself. Early in the day on Saturday, before the big podcast that evening, I had the opportunity to meet Pilot Pip's terrific children, Isaac and Hazel. They were at the media center, where I was privileged to be able to sit down with them both and teach them how to make my special flying wing paper airplane. It brought back memories of my father and grandfather teaching me how to make that same model of paper airplane so many, many years ago. Frankly, thinking about it brings pleasant tears to my eyes. But anyway, thinking back on that great time with Pip and his beautiful wife and wonderful children, reminded me of this story that took place in September of 2013. It was originally aired on the Airplane Geeks podcast, episode 267. So thanks for bringing your kids along to the air show, Pilot Pip. This story is for you. 15.30 at 2 o'clock. Portland, Maine. 15.30 hours. It's one of the last summer afternoons of 2013. And a perfect day. Clear blue sky. 70 degrees in the USA. 21 degrees in the rest of the world. A glorious day. I'm driving past PWM on my way to an appointment in downtown Portland. 
The beginning of runway 18 is at my 2 o'clock, about 2 miles distant. Now, as an airplane geek, my eyes are always to the sky, no matter where I am. And all of a sudden, I see a quick flash of a plane through tree branches. My keenly tuned airplane geek brain automatically analyzes what I see on final to 1-8. Sleek silver, single engine, low, almost square-ended wings at about 500 feet. It wasn't in my field of vision for more than two seconds when it disappeared below the tree line. And when my geek brain told me what I saw, I'm confident I'm just daydreaming. No, couldn't be that. Then a millisecond later, and only for another instant, this time almost head-on, through a small gap in the trees, I saw it again. Damn, this is no daydream. That's a P-51 Mustang. Oh, right. I remember the Collings Foundation was at Portland Westbrook Municipal today. And here I am on my way to an appointment. Oh, well, that's how life goes sometimes. I had seen the Collings Foundation aircraft before and had toured the B-17 and B-24 some years back. I went by myself then, and while I enjoyed it, it's not the same as sharing the experience with a friend. Not necessarily another airplane geek, but someone who can enjoy, or at least accept my geekiness. Well, I have an appointment, so I'm going to miss it this time, I think to myself. Then the phone rings. Hello, Micah? Sorry, have to cancel. An emergency. Can we reschedule? Well, okay then. Now I have some free time. What to do? Well, I could go to the airport and visit the planes, but as I'd said, I'd done that a few years ago. I put my airplane geek mind to work and thought of the PWM airplane geek parking area on the south side of the airport. Although the lot is set up to look north perpendicular to the terminal and runways 11-29, I'd be able to get a parallel, head-on view of 18-36. The Collings Foundation was using the FBO at the north end of the field on runway 18. Not bad. I get to the plane spotting lot, and there's only one other vehicle there. The tractor part of an 18-wheeler. That's a lorry for those of you in the UK. I park my car and roll down the windows when I hear it. It's that Rolls-Royce Merlin. Then I see it. Yes, it is. A P-51 Mustang, gear down, still in ground effect on 1-8. It was beautiful. The silver fuselage and wings gleamed in the afternoon sun. Wow. Now I always have my airband scanner and binoculars with me in the car. By the time I got them out of the bag in the back seat, the Mustang had already made a 180 and was heading north, but I knew it would be back in about a half hour. I set myself up in the car, the scanner set to monitor the tower on primary, ground on secondary, binoculars on my lap. I sit back and wait. A couple of other cars pull in near me. One of them has a father and son in it. The boy must be eight or nine years old, and I hear the father say, Yeah, the Mustang should be back soon. Nice. Father and son watching airplanes together. It makes me think about my dad and how he would have enjoyed this. A few Skyhawks were shooting touch-and-goes on 1-8. This gave me some practice for the big event when the P-51 returns. A Delta CRJ-200 lands on 1-1, followed closely by a United Q-400. The Q-400 turned off 1-1 to taxiway Alpha and was told to hold short of 1-8. I could overhear the boy ask his father, Why is that airplane stopped there? The man said he didn't know, so I called over to him. I hold up the scanner and said, I'm monitoring the tower. There'll be a small plane taking off from the cross one way. The United plane was told to hold until the runway's clear. The man thanked me for the information, and I told him that when I heard the Mustang was back in the pattern, I'd let him know. About 20 minutes later, I heard the Mustang call the tower, saying he was eight miles out, and asked to be cleared for a flyover of runway 18. The controller okayed the flyover, and I got out of my car, scanner in hand, and binoculars around my neck. 
I let the father and son know the Mustang was approaching from the north, and they got out of their car, too. A few minutes later, the Mustang came in at about 300 feet. It was beautiful. He did a 180 and came back just slightly west, now paralleling 3-6, as the gear lowered. I was looking through my binoculars and watched the wheels as they came down, as I had only seen before in films. What a sight! I realized that as an airplane geek, if I'd only seen a P-51 flying only a couple of other times in my life, the odds were that the young father and his son may have never seen one before. I took my binoculars off from around my neck and offered them to the man. He thanked me and took them for a few minutes, watching intently, and went to hand them back to me. Seeing how excited his son was, at what must have been his first look at a P-51, I asked the father if his son wanted to look through the binoculars, too. I could see the grateful expression on the man's eyes when he said thank you and handed the binoculars to the boy. The smile on that little boy's face gleamed like the Mustang in the sun. It may have been the same smile that was on my face when I first saw a P-51. A few minutes later, the Mustang came back around, landed on 1A, taxied back to the FBO, and was out of sight. The man handed me back the binoculars, and the boy had an ear-to-ear -ear grin. So no, I didn't have anyone to go see the Collings Foundation aircraft with that year. And no, I didn't pay to get up close to those beautiful airplanes. But maybe I did something that's even more important, to keep those 70-something-year-old aircraft flying. Maybe what I did is what airplane geeks are supposed to do, and must do, if we want to continue to see those airplanes fly and hear the roar of four radial engines take flight together or the growl of a Rolls-Royce Merlin at 300 feet. Maybe I helped in the making of a new young airplane geek who will, like me, and probably like you too, rejoice in the passions of those great sights and sounds for years to come. So yeah, I guess I am an airplane geek. For Plane Talking UK, here in Portland, Maine, in the USA, this is your main man, Micah. And a massive, massive thank you for uh, to Micah for uh, sending that uh, in. That I must say so nice that was hear. that was one of my highlights from uh, from from Farnborough as well. Is just watching how amazing um, that uh, Micah was was with uh, Pip's uh, kids like Isaac. Yeah. And, oh, it was no, just no. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He's, he's teaching awesome him how to make the airplanes awesome. and stuff. It was. And I have to say, whilst you were talking, whilst mm. we were listening to Micah there, I just mentioned to Matt as well that um, we're lucky here where we live. Uh, on the east coast of England, in the uh, the village where we live here, we've got uh, a chap who lives not too far away from where we are here, and uh, he's got uh, among amongst other aircraft, he's actually got a P fifty one Mustang, and um, at weekends he very kindly sort of flies you over get the, free air flies show, over the village every weekend and yeah. uh, gives us uh, some pretty amazing air shows, literally yeah. just out this window yeah. here in front of me here. Um, which he did on Sunday, uh, which was great. Just hearing that uh, the noise of the uh, the Mustang in the dive is uh, is pretty cool. It, it made me run outside anyway Sunday. Well, yeah, but that doesn't take a lot. All you have to do is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you say, it's, a, it's such a unique noise, isn't it? You can't identify it with any other aircraft. You really can't. So when we have got uh, a bit of feedback that we had uh, sent in to us from our, our wonderful listener, Barbara. And, Indeed, uh, yes, yeah, the lovely Barbara Parish. 
she Sorry. <laughs> sent us in uh, sent us in a lovely email mm. and uh, yeah, yeah um, and it's going back to what we were talking about obviously because we, we were talking about favourite airline and um, yeah she says her Barbara's favourite airline is United Arab Emirates uh, I've flown on so many airlines since I was uh, two years of age and have had a long list of airlines that I could choose from but the best all round airline for me is United Arab Emirates I flew with them in 2014 to Australia when I visited my 90 year old grandmother who lives in Sydney I flew some of the journey on a a UAE Boeing 777 then I believe uh, like Captain Nick Uh, I flew to the land of Oz on a UAE A380 economy class despite being in economy I have to say we were treated so well almost at times like we were in business class although I have never actually experienced that Um, uh, we got a great uh, goodie bag uh, with all the essentials the food was delicious the hot towels refreshing and we were even offered an array of fresh fruit oh wow fresh fruit got got love fresh fruit on a flight uh, the best of all as uh, were were the beautiful little red veiled hats that the stewardesses wore i was in awe so much so that when i transferred at dubai i had to get one of those hats i eventually <laughs> tracked one down in the united arab emirates shop unfortunately it was a toy one but it fit me brilliantly oh <laughs> and i wear it on a rainy day or sitting in my garden looking up at the sky and the vapor trails or watching the jets coming into land into east midlands airport as i live under the landing uh, landing flight path it's not the real uaa east Stewardess hat, but it's it, but uh, one can only dream. Oh well, maybe one day. Carlos and Miami Rick would be very pleased to hear that the only downside of the flight was the Airbus A380 interior <laughs> design. Despite being a great aircraft to look at, I feel it doesn't come anywhere near the design and comfort of the good old Boeing 747 jumbo mm-hmm. jet which is by far the most spacious and has more large windows to look out of, especially at the back, and a longer space to stretch your legs. The only other airline I want to commend is Qantas, who, when I was a child in 1981, flying back from Sydney, gave all the children a special Neptune certificate to say that we had crossed the equator. Those were the days. What a lovely email. Thank you very very much much, for taking the time to write that, Barbara. Absolutely. And I wholeheartedly agree, Barbara. Well, yes. you would, yes, I yes. know. But you're the interior of the Queen of the Skies <laughs> is much better than the A380. Oh, yes. here we go. Anyway, enough of this before <laughs> we get emails and, and chat room complaints. It's time. So we have got someone with us, haven't a we? Very from special a, guest from, from all the way over over in the the US, and she's mm. um, she's been very um, very patient to join us and everything to down the show. So um, yeah. no, it's been wonderful to join you. I loved being here. So, Jen. So, Jen, tell us um, tell us a bit then about, about what what it is you do. What it is I do? Well, <laughs> I work for a um, the regional airport authority, and we actually run three airports: a general aviation airport, a cargo airport, uh, and then a passenger airport. And I work in accounting. I know, Aww. kind of disappointing. Yeah, but somebody's got glamorous. to. Somebody has to crunch those numbers, and I can't think of anyone better to do it than you, frankly. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, the, the nice thing about working for accounting, I think, is that you do get to see and be involved in a lot of the different things that go on um, at the airport. So, you know, I pay the bills for uh, the canine vet visits, and... Um, you know, the toilet paper and the jet bridge repairs. And um, just today I, I got an invoice in for um, 
um, a localizer and uh, some landing systems that they're putting in at the cargo airport. So as you know, an aviation person, I find a lot of that really fascinating. Mm. So, so how did your love of aviation sort of start? I mean, where, where, what, was the, what was the building blocks, if you like, to, to, to your love of planes? That's a good question. You know, um, as a child, I grew up uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we got a lot of air traffic uh, over our home. Um, a lot of flights coming into Philadelphia, but also uh, into Dover Air Force Base um, and into some smaller uh, general aviation airports. So the skies over my parents' house were always really busy. And I, I think it kind of started for me there. Um, we also, because we lived way out in the countryside, um, there was someone, and I never did find out who, uh, who would come out and practice their aerobatic flying over the house. Oh, wow. um, and I used to see them out there, and, and it, was, it was wonderful. It was, you know, a private air show. Um, so those were probably two of the, the big things. The third, um, I uh, was really bored one day, and I, I borrowed a book from my brother. Uh, it was called Midway. I had no idea what it was about, but I was really bored, so I thought, all right, I'll give this book a try. Uh, and of course, it was about the Battle of Midway. Uh, and it was my first exposure to aircraft carriers. And just the idea that airplanes can um, take off and land on ships at sea uh, yeah. just kind of blew my mind. And um, so that was sort of the third piece that went into, you know, building a, a real interest in aviation when I was younger. Um, but I set that aside for a long time. And it really wasn't until maybe three or four years ago that that interest sort of sparked up again. Um, and I was working, um, I was working for a, a Fortune 500 restaurant company at that time. Um, but I decided, you know, I mean, this is I'm not interested in restaurant companies. I really I'm interested in aviation. You know what? Can I? What can I do to get into the aviation industry? What skills do I have? And a, a job happened to come open at the airport for accounting, and the rest is history. I mean, actually, one of my friends, uh, he is a qualified pilot, but he's just been struggling to get sort of like a commercial sort of, you know, someone to sort of take him on to, to fly for real. And he's actually been working as ground crew um, just because he is so obsessed by aviation. He's just desperate to do anything to do with, with aviation in, in the hope that one day it will lead to, to, you know, living the dream, if you like, of, of flying chartered aircraft and things. So, I mean, it's... Uh... Sure. Well, um I'm fortunate in that my department is on the ground level and it looks out at the south runway um, and it also looks out, uh, there's I think four gates that go along uh, my department. So there are airplanes coming and going outside the department all day long hmm. and um, they won't give me a, a desk with a window unfortunately, <laughs> How rude. so I can't yeah. see them. How dare they um, not? 
Yeah, so, but every time I hear them, I, I leap up and run to the window. I'm hoping eventually they'll just give in and give me a, a desk by the window. <laughs> Could you not just sort of <laughs> knock a hole running. in the wall where you are, perhaps, and sort of, you know, do it old school way, you know, sort of knock out a few bricks so you can see how it's Yeah, <laughs> no, because they very cleverly placed me at a cubicle in the middle of the, the oh. space. Oh, it's just, it's just so, not fair, is it? No. No, so, it's wrong. So, so you can write to my boss and let her know. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll all do that en masse. Everyone will email your boss immediately. <laughs> so the airport... Please give Jennifer a desk, by the way. Yes, absolutely. It's only fair. It's only fair. The airport you, you work at then, Janet, is it uh, mostly commercial GA or is it a mix of, of different aircraft? So the airport where I work at, um, it's a pretty healthy mix of commercial um, and... Uh, you see mostly um, regional jets, so Embraer's, um, and then the smaller, like the Airbus, the A320, the Boeing 737s, um, but also quite a lot of business jets um, and some general aviation as well. So it's a nice mix, and I never know what I'm going to see when I, you know, when I get a break and get to go up top and, and do some plane spotting. I never know what's going to be out there, and so that makes it a lot of fun. Actually, I was going to say, do you get a chance to go airside much uh, where you are, or is it if you got have you got a viewing viewing kind of area where you can go and? and I wish that we had a viewing area. Um, the best viewing area that we have is really on top of the parking garage, oh. and people <laughs> actually do park and and go and hang out and plane spot from up there. Um, I've been sort of dropping hints here and there that it might be a really nice idea to actually have. Um, you know, a more formal viewing area where people can come. I really strongly believe that since um, 9-11, where airports have to be so concerned with safety, that they've really sort of shut out the general public. Mm. Uh, so it's the same here in the UK. Uh, we we used to have some fantastic viewing galleries here we in did. the UK. We right. did, um, yeah. And uh, the same sort of thing since 9-11, really. A lot of them all been shut. I don't know if that... I mean, the best one I've ever seen was the one at Manchester Airport, and I don't know if that's still going, but, I mean, that had a proper sort of sky mm. sky viewing platform, and you could literally see most of, of all the runways and, and, you know, air traffic control towers and all sorts. Um, it's it's such a shame, really. And what was so lovely about, obviously, with the AP, uh, with the uh, the little um, meetup that they did in in Schiphol, was the area where they were sat. And I mean, some of the they video, had a great fo- the, the yeah. photos and stuff that yeah. they were sending because they could see most of the runways. Uh, it was ju- just, uh, I'm amazed it's not something. Even if, I mean, I would happily pay to go and sit in the these these galleries. I mean, I'm amazed it isn't a revenue stream that they're, they're not tapping into. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, because there is such yeah. a, an interest in aviation. I agree. Well, I, so I've brought that up. Mm. Um, uh, my airport is looking to build a new terminal. Now, that process takes a very, very okay. long time. Mm. So uh, it will be 15 to 20 years before the new terminal can be completed. But while they're in the blueprint stage, I've been dropping hints that they consider having some um, some viewing areas you know airports struggle sometimes mm-hmm. to have good relationships with their neighbors and I think part of that goes back to the fact that the neighbors are really shut out of the airport mm-hmm. um, they only get to see what goes on there if they're flying somewhere and you know many of them are not flying anywhere and they mm-hmm. don't get an opportunity to come 
and see what's going on at the airport and see how interesting it really is. Um, so I really, you know, I think it's important for airports mm. to try to find a way uh, to allow their neighbors to come and see what's going on. It's fascinating. So, so that's the day job, obviously. So you're, you're working, you know, it's the closest at the moment you can get to, to living the dream, as I always say. Uh, well, I mean, so how did the blog come about? Obviously, um, you know, you've got talesfromtheterminal.com. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so what sort of made you sort of want, want to start writing, sort of doing, doing some journalism, basically? Um, well, I've, I've always liked writing, and I received some encouragement, some from from some friends who said, you know, you really should, um, you really should blog. And I, I thought about it, but I really struggled to find a topic that I felt I could write about consistently until I started working at the airport. Uh, and then once I started working there, there were so many things that I wanted to write about. I usually have maybe three or four things that I'm working on at any given time, just because there's so many interesting things that I get to see uh, because I'm behind the scenes a little bit that other people maybe don't get to see. Mm. And I really enjoy sharing that. I mean, I remember my my um, my uh, family member. He he lives out in was it Yellowstone? I think it, yeah, he lives, Yellowstone. Yeah, Yellow, he, yeah we had him there. on the show, didn't we? I, we had him on the show as a guest, and he, and he sort of. I remember him saying to me, "It's like, why do you want to interview me?" Because he, he sort of forgets really that his very mundane job, because he flies sort of seaplanes in and out, and that that to the rest of the world, what he does for a living is so fascinating, mm. you know. And he sort of he's, he feels really bad. He's like when he's telling stories and that he's sort of worried that he's boring people, and it's like. No, no, you're not boring anyone. This is this is this is amazing, and and that's what's so lovely about the your your blog. It's really sort of you know writing from the heart, if you like. And it, it's clear when you read it that you have such a love of aviation. And may I say, it's lovely to see some good quality writing for a change as well. Yes, very true. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that. And and honestly, the the blog is just. You know, it's just my opportunity to spew endlessly about how much I love airplanes and airports and everything that goes into it. Um, yeah, I, I really do. I mean, don't get me wrong. Accounting is kind of boring. It yes, is. I know, but, but somebody has to do it. Somebody at the airport, yeah. um, it's pretty awesome. And I without, would, uh, I without the it. accounting, there would be no airport. There's no right. two ways so about that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> We've we got are. a question for you, Jen, from the chat room. And Tony sure. S. Uh, Tony S. is Uh-oh. asking, if you could hop on any commercial flight Ooh. from uh, your airport, where would you fly to? So it has to be a commercial flight from my airport, huh? Mm. Apart, um, apart from obviously here, coming, yeah, coming, here to, coming to either Heathrow, where, Stansted, <laughs> or... Yeah, where would you want to go? <laughs> Well, my airport is currently, um, they've been trying to lure um, more international business, and they have approached uh, BA. Um, I think they've also been approached by, um, I believe, Japan Airlines. But sadly, neither of those things have come to fruition yet. So I would have to say... Um, if I had to pick one of the current flights that's out there, I would probably go to um, San Francisco hmm. oh, wow. or possibly uh, Las Vegas. 
Oh, yes. Somewhere yes. to yeah. the west. <laughs> yes. You've got to go to Las oh, Vegas. I love Vegas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to go back. Okay. You can lose so much money in about mm. 10 minutes in Las Vegas. Really? I love it. That's the rumor. Well, I've been, yeah. but it's been many years, so I'd like to go back. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Micah, our main man, Micah, in the chat room, said, uh, he said, he said he's curious about the history of the cargo airport. Without giving too much away, the cargo airport came about after it was closed as a military base. How was it developed into cargo, if you could answer that? Um, that's a really good question, Micah, and I'll, I'll try to answer it. I don't think I really know sort of all the ins and outs of how that happened, but um, it was operating as a separate airport, and you're right, it, it did have a, it was um, a military base, and it does still function. I think there's um, a refueling, an Air National Guard refueling op, uh, unit that operates down there. Um, but the airport was separate. And then I want to say somewhere maybe eight, nine years ago, uh, maybe maybe even more like 10 years ago now, um, it became part of the regional airport authority. Uh, and so it became, uh, it was run by the same people who were running uh, the passenger airport where I work. And I think they sort of took a look at um, what kind of businesses do we have a lot of in the area and, you know, what would be the best way to sort of maximize the usage um, of that airport. And it just so happens that there are a lot of logistics centers and warehouses right next door to the airport. So sort of setting it up to be a cargo airport was really, um, I mean, it's just a perfect fit for that airport. And I have to say, I'm a little jealous that I don't get to go down there more often because that's where all the really cool airplanes uh, <laughs> Go the Cathay Pacific <laughs> and <laughs> yes, military. <laughs> uh, the now, Jonathan, C-135s behave yourself. <laughs> and the C 130s, um, but also uh, Cathay Pacific and Cargo Lux fly their big 737 8 or 747 8s. Excuse me. Um, let's see who else Atlas flies in there, Emirates flies uh, 777. Oh, wow, in there. Uh, Etihad has been in and out a lot recently. So some of the more interesting airplanes are down there. Mm. Uh, so I need to dig up more excuses. I need to go audit <laughs> something down there. Yeah, account um, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to go and audit some. You, know, yeah. you need to take some paper. I need to go audit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, my my security badge is for the airport where I work. Um, I'm not badged for that airport down there, but hopefully soon. Yes. Yeah, but if you walk through with confidence. Yeah, this is it. Absolutely. You just go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Jonathan's completely right. All you need is what I say, the company I work for. All you need, Jack. Careful, this is a family show. All you need is a a fluorescent jacket, (laughs) a clipboard, a pen, (laughs) and and look serious. Right. And you'll go anywhere. Yeah, but Jenny's far too no, nice. She's not. The fact is, I have friends that. I mean, we pay the bills for that airport, so I'm very, very involved in that airport. And I'm sure all I have to do is pick up the phone and say, yeah. "Hey, I'd yeah. like to come like and to come spend an look. afternoon." Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So, have you uh, have you had a chance then, uh, Jen, to have uh, have a go at any um, any kind of GA flying yourself, any sort of Cessna flying or anything? Well, yes, this past. <laughs> Spring, I took an introductory flight uh, in a Mooney, 
And uh, that was quite a lot of fun. That was quite an adventure. Um, a friend of the family um, is a CFI, and he uh, said, hey, why don't you come on out and give it a try? And I thought, oh, oh okay, aren't you brave to suggest that I should uh, fly an airplane? <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I went out, and, and it was really quite amazing. It was a lot of fun. Um, I remember sort of flying along, and I looked over and realized that I was the only person with my the hands on the controls. And I remember saying to him, what are you doing? Put your hands back on the controls. <laughs> I should not be the only person flying this plane. <laughs> um, but it was good fun. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely considering whether I should continue, maybe do another lesson. So it's it's something I've been thinking seriously yeah. about, but I haven't done yet. You, you've got the bug for it. There's no two ways about it, is there? I, think I don't know. I love airplanes. <laughs> Me flying them, I, I just don't know. Yeah, quite happy to be shy. Well, you see, sorry, it's just, as you see, that's because you're a very classy lady. So you like to be chauffeured around uh, everywhere. Yes. See, that's what it is. Yeah. See, it doesn't work that way. I haven't been. Nobody's showed up to show for me. So, you know. Honestly. I'm accepting volunteers if Spend anybody it. would yes. like to take that on. <laughs> I'm sure there's a chat room full of people who would be more than delighted to yeah. yeah. I love to flies a nice little biz jet. So. Yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> yeah, I love biz jets. So, you know, gate B19, park at that gate and. <laughs> Knock on the glass door. Yeah, yeah. That's where you'll find me. Yes, no, that's fantastic. Now, I heard a little rumor uh, that you're rather partial to uh, an air show or two. Is is that the case? I love air shows. Sure, who doesn't? <laughs> Have you, is there is there any in particular that um, that uh, sort of spring to mind as favourites? I mean, uh, have you been lucky enough to go to many? Um. Not that many, but I would say probably my favorite would have to be Oshkosh. Right. Um, but to call Oshkosh an air show is really kind of a disservice. It's a whole lot more than just an air show. Mm. Um, it's huge. Right. And yes, it does have a daily air show, and it even has nighttime air shows, wow. which if you've never experienced mm. that, they're amazing. Um, but it also has um, forums and seminars and classes and oh, wow. movies and concerts. And it's quite an event. It really is. Yeah, it sounds like something we'll have to try and get ourselves over. I know. We have all the intentions in the world to, because uh, obviously, as you know, the, the APG guys and everything and the airplane geek, you know, uh, Brian and Mike came over to the UK this year. Mm. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to try and we're going to try, try and return the our favor, very yeah. best to return the favor yeah, uh, next year. Yeah. Well, we're they're, well, they're going to have to get us on the air for you guys to make Oshkosh. <laughs> yeah. But if that doesn't work, I hope you know that you, we can work something mm. else yeah. out. That yeah, I would yeah. love to meet you guys. I would love to, hey. to have you over here. But I am a little concerned about whether Matt can handle. An overseas yes, flight. Okay. That yes, okay. Yes, all right. I, I was hoping we would get. Through, <laughs> I, I was hoping we would get through an entire podcast where that wasn't mentioned. But thanks for oh, that. Jennifer. Sorry, yes. I had to no, bring no, it up. No, no, it's fine. I'm just, no, it's I think concerned. you can still get a ferry. If you leave now, yes. you'll get there I'll by get next there year. By August, yes. No, that's true. No, and now I have to say, as I say, as many people know, um, the lovely Captain Al has been helping me with it. I, I am actually feeling surprisingly confident, and I'm quite keen to try 
another flight, ideally long haul. So um, mm. it could, it could, it could. This it could well happen. Well, it's um, there's not really a lot else to say other than the fact that the love uh, for your wonderful blog, uh, Jennifer, is is massive in the chat room here. Yeah, uh, uh, Jenny, the lovely Jenny in Rome, uh, was saying that she agrees with Matt on the good quality writing and professionally presented blog. Tales from the Terminal is great, so that's nice to see. Uh, Myla is also saying that uh, uh, your blog is wonderful, uh, Jenny. It really shows your love of aviation. So as I say, there's plenty of love for your great blog. Do please keep it up. Mm, definitely. Oh, I will, and thank you guys all so very, very much. It's, uh, you know, I just kind of threw it out there just to throw it out there and mm. have been pleasantly uh, overwhelmed and surprised by how many people seem to enjoy it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, and thanks for joining absolutely, us. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. We, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go overrun and go with the a, live with the APG. Yeah, I think we should just go live with APG now. <laughs> we're so close to that start time; it's just not funny. But uh, with that in mind, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is now. I'm sorry to say, time, time to, to bring wrap things up. This episode number one three two to a close. But we have to say a big thanks as well to obviously to Jonathan for joining us this evening as well, and uh, and bring us uh, his his views as well. So. Uh, Hello to uh, hello and thank you to you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Anytime. Yes, yeah, we're gonna have, we have a nice little chat afterwards about. Um, yes, so before we wrap up yes. things, then, uh, Jonathan, where uh, where can people find uh, more bits about? Because you obviously take some great photos as well, don't you? Is there somewhere where we're there, where the listeners can um, find you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Search Jonathan Warner, and there's a picture of me get my head chopped off by an Apache. Oh, nice, so, <laughs> nice as you do. Not quite chopped <laughs> off, just <laughs> above me. Um, Instagram. I can't remember what my username is. Good, excellent. Okay. Uh, what you'll do is you'll email those to us, and we'll put them in the show notes for <laughs> yeah. when the episode That'll is released. Be more that helpful. sounds like yeah. the main type of my photos is actually Flickr. Okay. Ah, cool. right, okay. All right. Well, so stick Flickr. Send, send us all the links and we'll put it we'll put it in I've managed to find um, I don't know whether it's just because I'm logged in as me but anyway uh, yes so we'll make sure we do that now obviously as we were saying earlier obviously Jenny's lovely blog it is I'm going to pop it up on the page for you if no, you haven't seen, seen it already it is uh, talesfromthetermal.com uh, where you can find that it's, it's a recommended read it really is it's, it's some good journalism right there so any other places uh, on the social media sites and uh, Jen where people can find out uh, more about what you're doing yeah sure you can find me on twitter i'm very active on, on twitter as you guys all know um it's jen niffer so j-e-n underscore n-i-f-f-e-r and you can also find me i'm recently on instagram i just started mm -hmm. an account on there and on there it's uh tales from the terminal and can I just really quickly give a big thank you to Micah, Aww. who um, helped me a little bit with the microphone setup and, and everything else. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Micah. Aww. Yay. Yeah, we all, a lot of love for Micah. Everyone loves Micah. It's a real privilege to have him as part of our little uh, thing, actually. Family. He sends us yes. some great... I love it when we get an email with, with Micah's email address in it. It's mm. just like, yes, Definitely. excellent. 
It's uh, it's marvellous. So, um, yes, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That is where we bring episode number 132 to a close. Uh, thanks very much for listening and watching. Uh, to, to watch our show, obviously, you can catch up afterwards. If you haven't been able to catch the live show, obviously, it will always be available as an audio down download as it were uh it is www.plaintalkinguk.com as we mentioned earlier we're running uh, a livery poll yeah. uh livery yeah. livery however you want to do livery. it livery. we've had some great uh, emails already we please have, keep yeah. them coming in it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com if you want to find us on facebook it is facebook.com forward slash uk, and our twitter handle is at uk. So a special thanks then to everyone who's joined us in the chat room live this evening on the mm. show. Loads and loads of names to mention now. I'm guessing that a lot of these guys are going to be switching over now. Yes, we're to, all now uh, going to switch, to we're, the, including us here in the studio. We're now going <laughs> to the APG switch over show. to the APG show. So it's, it's a real aviation. merge into their show. Yeah, oh, well, I, yeah, I, 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 did, I did sort of, I, I was wondering whether to sort of suggest maybe we, we do just do one massive podcast and we'll just get them all because I've got the gear here to be able to join the it all together. The servers would no, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. I'd be able to work it out. It's fine. Like a day beyond two big that podcasts in one day. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is it. This is it. It could be one massive thing. <laughs> but so. no, that a huge thanks. A huge thanks to everyone who's, like I said, joined us in the chat room today. Yeah. And obviously, a big thank you to our two amazing guests uh, this evening, Jonathan and Jen. Thank you for giving up your time. Uh, yeah, so today. generously as well. Yeah. yeah very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. It was thanks fun. So yes, uh, we'll, we'll put us all up on the screen there, so everybody can see. So everybody, Ooh. give everyone a wave um, as we bring episode one three two to a close. Thanks very much, everyone. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Have a great Bye-bye. weekend. Woohoo!